Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 186 of At Oz with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how we doing? I'm good, Joe, but I'm a little upset that I'm here and I have not yet been replaced by uh, with Kyle Starks. I figured your new best friend would be here. He's the best of both worlds. He's like me if me and Todd were just mushed together. Uh, that would just be your one co-host going forward. And uh, but yet here I am. Well, I was going to say if you and Todd were mushed together and immensely talented, I didn't want to say <laughs> talent, period, because you guys, you and Todd both have talents of your own. <laughs> Dramatic pause. But Kyle is immensely talented as both an artist and a writer. Uh, but yes, thank you very much for checking out the interview. Uh, you were not the only one who reached out to me and said that they want Kyle Starks to be their uh, new best friend as well. He's already <laughs> he's already got an adult best friend, so unfortunately that job is taken. And that's uh, his co-artist on uh, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, Chris Swizer. Great book. Um, you know, go check out his stuff. If he's at a convention near you, go tell him. Uh, we said hi, and like I said, he doesn't, and that's the thing, I, I thought he was out of wrestling, as many people have been, and may come up a little bit later on the show, because I don't see him tweet very often about wrestling, you know? Yeah, like, uh, I, I listened to the interview, and anybody who hasn't had a chance, go listen to it, you know, even if you're not a comic book guy, go check out that interview, but, uh, you know, he starts off, you're like, oh, you're you following wrestling, and he's like, nah, I don't really like wrestling, WWE kind of drove me away, and I'm like, oh, you I hope Joe tells this guy to go check out indie wrestling or go check out AEW or something like that. But Kyle's like, yeah, I don't like wrestling. WWE drove me away, but I really like AEW and I like following all the Chikara guys. I like Orange Cassidy, I like Eddie Kingston. And I was like, oh, okay. Pleasantly surprised. For sure. Um, but yeah, I just like, you know, and I always forget cause it's been a while since he's really been out there on the interview circuit, pushing something big. I forget as a kid, you know, that story of like him being like in a bassinet going to whatever the Indiana loop was for the <laughs> Memphis territory in the early eighties. Like I'm jealous of that. I'm like, I wish I was that baby, you know, <laughs> you're just a, a big grown baby now. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a big, disgusting grown baby. <laughs> Oh, sad but true. Anyways. Anyway, we actually have a very busy show. Lots of stuff to get to. No time's a waste in here. As I'm adjusting my old man glasses. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents... This Day in Wrestling History. All right. We got lots of stuff, actually. And it's a very interesting uh, This Day in Wrestling history. Uh, we always have the head-to-head -head, uh, 1997 Monday Night Wars, Raw versus Nitro. Okay. Uh, Nitro uh, was kind of an interesting show. It was like little peaks, you know? And, like, it depends on, like, your mileage may vary from a storyline aspect. Um, this was the World Championship Wrestling debut of Yuji Nagata who now some, you know, 25 years on is still wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, this is J.J. Dillon comes in as an on-screen authority figure. Uh, Nick Patrick leaves the NWO to try to get back into the good graces of World Championship Wrestling. Did he cut one of those, like, I want my promotion back promos? <laughs> Well, he came out and he was wearing a WCW like polo shirt. He threw down the NWO shirt. 
Um, and it was up at like where the commentary thing was like all the way in the back, you know? Yeah. Um, and he just kind of like the NWO made a lot of promises and all this other jazz. And like, obviously now he has to regain the trust of the WCW faithful, but there's a less remembered, really good Nash promo on this. Uh, cause this is still the build between like Piper Flair and Kevin Green, uh, taking on Hall Nash. And uh, six, and Nash cuts this great uh, promo about, uh, you know, the roads that these guys paved was full of potholes that they had to fill in, and how uh, he made Nash when he was in WWE his first stint, he may not have been the guy, but like Scott Hall was like primed to be the guy, and all these guys buried him, caused him to go to WWF, and now he, like so it's like a really good underrated Nash promo that like. Go out of your way to, like, revisit that one, right? Yeah, I remember the pothole comment. I don't remember yeah. the Scott Hall stuff, but that sticks out. Now, on the other channel, over on Monday Night Raw, if you remember from, like, two months ago when uh, the Scotty Pippen of Azrael figure collecting, <laughs> Shane Hagedorn, was doing his, like, different social media stuff, I missed the artist one. Like, I was already, like, four days in, and I missed him. Like, I can't get in now. But he was doing the ticket stubs, right? Yeah. So this Raw in Binghamton, New York, I was at this Raw. Okay. And it was the night after Revenge of the Taker, uh, that pay-per-view, which is an underrated pay-per-view. And, you know, as we've talked these so on last couple of weeks, like, the ball is starting to roll. And this is the first Raw that kind of feels like the Attitude Era. There's a show-long storyline with Austin and Brett. Like, Austin comes out and challenges Brett to a street fight. Then we get stuff in the backstage with them brawling. Then they actually have the street fight. And this is when uh, Austin pilmanizes Brett's ankle and they take Brett out in the ambulance after Austin gets kicked out of the building. Then Austin's the ambulance driver and he has Brett alone in the thing, right? Yeah. And then the rest of the heart, like Brett's taken away the ambulance and Austin comes back out. And then Pillman comes out and attacks Austin and Brett and Davey and then... HBK comes out. So it's this whole big show long storyline. But then there's other stuff like sprinkled throughout, like your B and C storylines. Like Vader's still over in Kuwait because he slapped the guy on Kuwaiti TV for calling wrestling fake. So we got stuff with him and Shamrock that's being built up. We have uh, Dustin and Marlena as fans in the crowd, and they come out and they attack uh, Triple H in China. And it's just one of these things. And, like, okay, there's shitty matches on the show, too, like Tiger Ali Singh versus Salvatore Sincere, right? Yeah. And, and don't you dare bury Jesse James versus Rockabilly. Rockabilly, <laughs> who just debuted as Rockabilly the night before at the pay-per-view, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, this is, like, now the storylines are starting to work together. You're getting the things where it's a thread throughout the entire show where you're going to watch something in segment one that is going to hopefully hook you to hang out through like three or four more segments to the end of the show. Yeah. And I feel like uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't think any company does that anymore. Like AEW, I don't think needs to, because it's just like, here's a good match. Here's a good match. Here's this, maybe a so-so one. And then here's a good match. And you don't really need this ongoing storyline. And I think maybe WWE does it every once in a while when they tease something at the beginning of the show, but nothing that makes you be like, oh, shit, I got to stay for the full three hours raw. Yeah, so they don't really even do that. So, like, they try to. Like, I remember during the height of the 
tribal chief Roman Reigns over on SmackDown era, where the show would open with a Roman promo where he would lay down some sort of challenge or make some sort of statement or some sort of something, right? And then we would get those continuous backstage segments of, like, Roman still here. Or, like, they interview whomever and, like, oh, did you hear what Roman had to say about you, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have that same feel or that same flow that it did, like, 25 years ago. Yeah, and they all feel kind of, like, interchangeable. Like you said, they're just little, like, backstage vignettes. And I guess that's kind of the modern equivalent, but it just doesn't feel as compelling. No, it doesn't have, like, that same, and again, it's wrestling, that same realism. Because (laughs) the characters of Brett and, you know, Austin and Sean, to a lesser extent, were... (laughs) And again, I only say that because, like, Sean kind of comes and goes over the next couple months and weeks here, right? Yeah. But, like, that's definitely, like, Undertaker's the champion. He's still got the program going with Mankind. That's going on. But, like, it's definitely, like, Brett, Sean, and Austin are, like, your three main guys on the show right now. Yeah, and, I mean, Shawn Michaels was there during the the impetus of the Attitude Era, but he really wasn't there for the majority of it, you know? No, because, so they build up to him and Austin at King of the Ring, and they have a singles match. Then him and Austin are the reluctant tag team. And then Sean's gone for, like, all of July until he comes back to do the guest referee for Brett versus Undertaker. And then that's when they do the definitive thing, like, okay, now Sean is feuding with The Undertaker. Brett is to be intended to be feuding with Austin, but Austin gets hurt. And that's a whole thing that we're going to deal with, you know, uh, four months from now. But that's, this is, that this, this week, 25 years ago, was the beginning of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's finally also, as I'm looking at, like, the match listing, like, obviously you can shit on, like, the Sultan versus Ahmed Johnson or Tiger Ali Singh versus Salvatore Sincere, but it's, at least it's not, like, there are jobbers, but they're named jobbers, you know? Yeah, it's and, not, like, journeymen from the 80s are on Raw. You know? Right, and as, and as we look at, like, just the two shows head-to-head for two-hour shows, you know, Raw has five matches, okay? Nitro has three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches, right? Mm. Not to say that there wasn't promo stuff, but it's like there were still like more matches and that would eventually change once the formula of Raw becomes what it was. And then Nitro starts to play catch up a year from now (laughs) when they finally lose the war. Because even still at this point, like I was watching Raw way more often and I was catching Nitro on the replay, which helped, or or sometimes I would miss Nitro completely because I was always a WWF guy, and, like, this is really when, like, the tide starts to turn, but it doesn't fully turn for almost, it takes almost a year for it to fully turn. But this is, like, the impetus of it, you know? Yeah. And also, just one last thing before we move on, uh, on Nitro, I see that Bobby Eaton wrestled the guy that stole Broski's gimmick, Ultimo Dragon. Oh. <laughs> uh, being a miserable prick at meet and greets because <laughs> that's what Ultimo Dragon's doing today uh. <laughs> so we have that to look forward to 25 years from now when Broski's still doing cons and he's still sell- hocking the picture of him holding up eight belts and he's a miserable prick <laughs> uh, I will see. All right. we'll see also on this day wrestling history 2002 uh, was World Wrestling Entertainment Backlash um, again, another weird ho-hum show. Um, I have a sickening 
curiosity to see Scott Hall against Bradshaw in a singles match. <laughs> uh, this was the first aborted singles run for Bradshaw after they broke. Uh, this was like the beginning of the brand split, but the brands hadn't officially split. This might have been like the last pay-per-view before it all officially happened, you know? Yeah. But this was like the beginning of Bradshaw being like the Texan and winning the hardcore title and like ha- and having like bullhorns and shit on it, right? Well, he was still have the APA look to him, though, right? Like Jeff. No, Locker. he went. He went to shorty tights. He looked more like Bradshaw or Blackjack Bradshaw. Okay, yeah, but he 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 still had the jet black hair. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He wasn't gone. He stayed he on Raw, blonde. and Farouk went to SmackDown. Yeah, I, this is like when they wanted to like break up every tag team. Like yeah. they had they had like Devon Dudley was Deacon Dudley and shit like that. Just just cause. Yes. Okay. Well, it was Reverend Devon, and then it was Deacon Batista. Uh, but yeah, I'm <laughs> with you. To, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the main event of this is Triple H defending the undisputed title that he had just won from Jericho at WrestleMania a month prior and losing it to the newly baby-faced red and yellow turned Hulk Hogan. I don't, I don't know if I'm like Ed Cody here and I'm like high for some reason, but my mind just got blown by the fact that Hollywood Hulk Hogan is also Triple H. Whoa. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, you know, you mentioned Ed and he, because this was going around on social media today. Uh, Ed was the only one who was happy about this at the time because he was one of those people that they would go to his friend's house and watch the pay-per-views and bet on the results of <laughs> pay-per-views. <laughs> and all of his friends that he was with bet on Triple H to win. He bet on Hogan, Hogan win, and then Ed won a bunch of money. <laughs> oh, and Billy and Chuck were on this this paper. I love Billy and Chuck. Yeah, B- Billy and Chuck second to uh, like they were in the semi main against Maven and Al Snow <laughs> in your cool down match between Austin <laughs> and Undertaker and Triple H and Hulk Hogan. When when I edit the show later, I'm going to end it with the Billy and Chuck theme. Just remind me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so this is you know this was because of that reaction that Hogan got at WrestleMania. The next night on Raw, he gets the big ovation. And after them spending like four months of building up Triple H, they and like they do the hot shot of the title back to uh, Hogan. And then at the next pay-per-view, Hogan loses the belt to Undertaker, which is, you know, as things line up, we'll be talking about that pay-per-view when it comes up. But uh, yeah, and again, I'll never, and th- could this be the thing that turned Triple H into the political mastermind that we would see over the next several years where he buried everyone else and like was never made to look foolish. <laughs> oh, he, le- he learned the phrase. That's not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> yeah. He learned it from the best. Yeah. The only thing is like, I, I just don't recognize this pay-per-view after mania. Cause the, the only pay-per-view after mania I know is WrestleMania backlash. Wow. That, they've only recently changed the name of it. It's, it's it's always been implied that it's WrestleMania backlash. Oh, all right. I was very. But confused. now we're stupid, and they have to tell us that it's WrestleMania backlash. <laughs> it should be WrestleMania backlash. Dot dot dot. The paper or the the premium live event after WrestleMania. <laughs> well, speaking of premium live events, Adam, uh-huh. on this day three years ago, was the makeshift thrown together premium live event. From the Tax Slayer Center in Moline, Illinois, the Shields' final chapter. 
Uh, if you remember, this was a house show that ended up being Moxley's last date before leaving to go to AEW and New Japan and everything else that he did. Yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Well, that, that's that, funny that you say that. Guy. <laughs> so I have to show I have to show you this. Okay. Um. So I'm just trying to be. Oh. So the matches that ended up on the actual card itself. Okay. Hmm is uh, Finn Balor defending the Intercontinental title against Elias, who's, you know, we're now regaled with his brother uh, on Monday Night Raw. Uh-huh. Uh, Bailey and Ember Moon taking on Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. All right. One of them's left. Uh, okay. And then the main event was uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns against Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's all we got. And I think if you go to the network now, those are the only three matches that are up there from that, that live event special. Okay. The rest of that house show card, Broski and Hawkins against the revival against Ricochet and Alistair Black. All right. One, one for six there. (laughs) Uh, the next up for the juicer weight title was Tony Nese taking on Buddy Murphy. Oh, oh, for two. Come on. Uh, then we have Grand Metalik, Callisto, Lince Dorado <laughs> taking on Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers. We're one for six there. I hope that's going to Jinder Mahal or you're going to make the boar angry. Yes. Well, I'm <laughs> saying people still with the company. Oh, okay. I thought you were like bearing certain people. I got you. No, I spit on Lince Dorado. The rest uh, of them, I'm just saying this was three years ago, Adam. Yes. No, in the, okay. I, in I the opening you. match of six people, there's one guy left in the company. Oh, the next okay. match, both guys are gone. Yep. The next six-man match, one guy's left in the company. Then we have Alexa Bliss and Lacey Evans. Okay. Taking on Dana Brooke and Nikki Cross. There's your there's your match where everyone's still here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, barely. I mean, if, <laughs> if you follow Alexa Bliss' social media as closely as I do, Joe, you would know that she is not a happy camper. <laughs> but it's just so crazy to look at this thing that was set up as the Shield's final chapter because it's Dean Ambrose's last match in the World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, You know, less than a year later was when they do the massive cuts of like half of these guys that are on the show. Yeah. Oh, WWE, everybody. WWE, everybody, indeed, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that this pay-per-view, though, this premium live event is definitely a who's who of AEW talent. Oh, my goodness. So uh, let's get into some, uh, I guess, last seven days in wrestling stuff we want to talk about. I don't know. Yeah. Hold on. Let me bring up my notes here. Uh, I have like lots of things I can just throw out there uh, and I can just say how great it was that uh, we had both Najee Harris and Pat Fryermouth on AEW television. But you won't know who they are. So I'll move on. Uh, Are are they a new tag team or something? Yeah. the size of them, they they destroyed. They'd have a great indie run. I mean, Fryermouth's a foot taller than most indie wrestlers, so I think that would work out well. Oh, so um, he's five eleven. <laughs> a little taller than that. Okay. Um, I can also talk about how the major players are a team and impact, but uh, I, I'm pumped for that. But I will just say my first thing is I want to talk about the fact that AEW 
either we can give them credit for leaning into and adapting quickly to something, or we can just laugh at them for not realizing what they were doing. But I want to give credit that they seem to be turning Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti heel and that we are getting white meat baby face Dan Lambert, which I love. <laughs> Like, obviously, ever since Sammy started going out there with Tay Conti, the crowd started turning on them. They were on a lot of tape shows, and people were saying that uh, the editors were getting their, uh, earning their paycheck. And uh, obviously, they were finally on Dynamite, and you could hear the boos uh, on Battle of the Belts, I think it was, that the, that Sammy won the belt back. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously, he's getting booed out of the building. It was, he like, it was... To win. Yeah, he cheats the win because obviously I think that they adapted. They recognized, hey, this is blowing up in our face. Because I don't think weeks ago when they paired up Sammy and Tay Conte, I don't think that they thought that that was going to get a heel reaction. I think that this right. was them adapting to being like, uh-oh, this is not a likable pairing. So rather than just do what WWE would do and just continue to overdub the crowd and force them down our throat as baby faces, they're like, let's go ahead and just do a double switch. You know, and that doesn't mean that Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are going to be baby faces, but they could easily be. If and they're programmed I, against Sammy, they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know you hate Dan Lambert, but eh, I've never had a problem with Dan Lambert. And he's starting <laughs> to get pops from the crowd. Like, he was getting pops when he was uh, running down uh, Cody and Brandy. You know, like the crowd was was really enjoying that stuff because they agreed with them. And, uh, you know, now they're gone and Dan's doing his thing and people like Paige Van Zandt. And I, like, it's just funny how on the drop of a hat almost like you're flip-flopping these two groups of people. And I enjoyed the fact that they're going with it. So that's my first thing. So it's interesting that you say Dan Lambert was getting these sort of reactions against Cody and Brandy as well. Mm -hmm. I think I had postulated at very least here, maybe online on social media that when Cody and Brandy left, Sammy and Tay kind of moved into whatever that slot they were filling was for better or for worse. Right. Yeah, I think you said that on the podcast and we talked about how that's going to be like the Paige Van Zant and Scorpio Sky versus a guy and a girl. You yeah. know, but I don't think we had said that or or we had speculated that there would be a switch, you know? So I know there was some discourse over the last couple of days, specifically in regards to Sammy and Tay, that like, man, I can't believe people turned on Sammy. They're all just jealous of him because he's with such a good looking girl. I mean possibly true <laughs> Go ahead. but i wouldn't boo him for that right now i don't watch sammy's vlog i don't follow sammy on social media i have a cadre of individuals that send me the choice bits from tay conte's uh social media <laughs> right I so <laughs> I, i'm not incriminating anyone i'm just saying i have a cadre of individuals <laughs> send me this information so that I, my so that my likes and my timeline is clean, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm no fool, right? So I think the issue is, is that I don't think people disliked Sammy and Tay when they were a couple, but once they became an on-screen couple, that was the problem. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, If like they kept them apart on TV, but still everywhere else, social media, the vlogs... We knew that they were a couple. I don't think we'd be seeing this reaction on TV. 
Um, you know, like if that's the case, okay, and you know, listen, you, everyone's tastes are different, and what you're into is completely different. Why does Jungle Boy not get booed just as much as Sammy Guevara does because he's dating Anna J? Yeah. Some would say that that's like you know, a, you know, apples and apples there when you compare the attractiveness attractiveness of those two couples. Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely it's the on-screen portrayal, and obviously yes. unjustifiably so. Like Sammy gets a lot of heat for what happened with his his ex. You know, and that's, like, so, and that's the thing. We could talk about Sammy, the stuff with, uh, you know, his ex-fiance. We could talk about the stuff that he had to go to sensitivity training for that he said about Sasha Banks. And then in the last week, people dug up like other crazy shit that he said, right? Mm-hmm. Taking all of that out of the, the equation. And I'm only looking at this current iteration in a bubble, them on TV versus them and their social media life. And it's them being an on-screen couple. If they ever get to the time where they want to turn Jungle Boy heel and they have no idea how to do it, make him and Anna Jay an on-screen couple. They will be <laughs> booed instantly. I will guarantee you. Yeah. There's just something about wrestling fans. And again, whatever you want to say about wrestling fans, whatever you want to say about wrestling fans, um, you put that on-screen couple that you love on social media or you love the on the behind-the-scenes, whatever it is, on-screen couple – they immediately turn on it. It never, ever works. If I'm not mistaken, like when Becky Lynch was on her white hot baby face run and they just for very briefly acknowledged on TV that her and Seth were, were married or engaged at the time and they were teaming and the crowd was starting to turn on yeah. both of them as baby faces. And they, they, they pulled the plug to their credit, but <laughs> a rare time when world wrestling entertainment course corrected, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Sammy works better as a heel. Um, you know, granted it's a different time and it's a different day and age where you can be a heel and do all the flashy moves and stuff. Yeah. But secretly I'm sad that Tay Conte is a heel. Like she's not a heel, but I'm like, oh, they're booing Sammy. They're not booing Tay. She's too (laughs) nice. Yeah. And plus, if you think about it, ever since she's been associated with Sammy on screen, I mean, I don't watch the YouTube shows because I don't think they're real, but like she hasn't wrestled and she's not murdering fools like because that right. was one of the big things that was she was great at. And you don't have her and Anna Jay coming out with negative one, which was the feel good moment of every show. You know, right. like you're, you're depriving us of that stuff. So that's a heel move in and of itself. Yeah. These are all great points. We'll see how it all plays out. I say it's playing out very well. And if by some chance all of this ends up turning Dan Lambert baby face, <laughs> that could be the weirdest thing in the history of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I said, the crowd wants to cheer for Ethan Page. And the crowd respects Scorpio Sky's in-ring stuff, you know? So yeah. I think that Dan Lambert's going to go along for the ride. And he's going to be one of the biggest baby faces in the company. Mm. <laughs> He's gonna, he's gonna end up being the new manager of the the Blackpool Combat Club. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. <laughs> All right, what do you got? All right, so we're talking about AEW, and let's talk a little bit more about AEW. Uh, so they made their big announcement. You know, Tony Khan had a big announcement, which, you know, I like the announcements of Tony Khan's announcements more than I like Tony Khan's announcements. <laughs> but they announced that at the end of June. Uh, they are doing a New Japan AEW Super Show pay-per-view called The Forbidden Door, right? Yeah. Uh, somebody pointed out that the logo looks very Doctor Who-esque. 
Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, whatever. You know, if you're into that sort of thing, I guess you'll notice those sort of things, right? And people are excited, but then there's a large contingent of people saying that this is not how you cater to the casual fan. This is not how you get the casual fan back into wrestling. Ooh, ooh, can I take this one? Can I just say what I have to say about that? Absolutely. Fuck the casual fan. Who cares? <laughs> so what I say is there is no casual fan. Yeah. Um, you know, we could slice this in a million different ways. Um, there's just wrestling fans. Like, that's like saying, like, I'm a casual comic book fan. I only read X-Men comics. I don't read anything else. Guess what? You're, an, you're a comic book fan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I only read Marvel, or I only watch the whatevers, or I, you know, like, I don't watch the, I only watch the the movies, I don't watch the TV shows or read the comics. You're a comic book fan, I'm sorry, it's just what it is, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm a casual fan, I don't get that into it. I just watch all the movies every time that they're on TV with commercials, I own them on Blu-ray, I have clothing that says them, but I'm a casual fan. No, no, you're a fan. There is no such thing as casual fan. Casual fan is a myth that was created when WCW went away and those fans also went away. And there's been so much discourse about this online over the last couple of days. You know where the casual fan actually went to? MMA. And you're not getting them back. Yeah. They left. They like MMA now. And you doing fake phony MMA on your fake phony TV thing isn't going to get the people who like MMA to watch their MMA people be made to look fake and phony on my fake and phony professional wrestling that I love so much. Are you trying to say that Jake Hagar versus Wardlow in the cage didn't didn't bring them all back? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, okay. And the thing is, WWE has been trying to chase the casual fan for years. You know, and they did get, quote-unquote, casual fans back in the 80s. But the problem is, Those people are now 30-year fans. So if you're a fan of something consistently for 30-plus years, are you really a casual fan that you come and go? No. But you want to go back to 10 years ago when they tried to, like, do crossover stuff with Charlie Sheen that blew up in their face. You want to go to a year ago where they tried to get Bad Bunny, one of the biggest musical acts in the world, and he's a big wrestling fan. Not a casual fan. He's a big wrestling fan. And they used him to try to get casual fans in. And you know what happened? Bad Bunny fans who don't like wrestling watched wrestling to see Bad Bunny. And then when Bad Bunny left, they left with him. Yeah. Wrestling, unfortunately, is a TV show. And you need to cater to the people that watch your show. And you need to do what you can to keep the people that you already have. Not try to do things to bring more people in to this fan base that you already have. It took years to have watching Monday Night Raw every Monday to be beaten out of my system after it was beaten into my system for a very long time. (laughs) And the thing is, there's New Japan wrestling fans that don't care about AEW, but they're going to get this pay-per-view because they're going to get to see their guys, their AEW guys with American commentary, and they might become AEW fans, but they're not going to attract casual fans. There's nothing any professional wrestling company can do to attract casual fans because you're trying to attract something that doesn't exist. And it's so stupid to see people getting so bent out of shape about this and saying, like, I can't believe AEW would do something to alienate casual fans. Okay, they're not, but you tell yourself this. How's trying to get these imaginary casual fans to watch WWE been working for WWE? How's that been working for them? It hasn't been. 
And it's not like they're saying, you know, oh, we are going to take Dynamite and Rampage and it is now a New Japan show for the next month leading up to the pay-per-view, the next two months, three months. And if you don't like New Japan products, sorry, it's now a New Japan show and you're alienating the AEW fans. No, you're like you said, you're giving them, hey, there's this pay-per-view and you can buy it or you could not buy it. And if you don't want it, don't fucking buy it. Like, who right. cares? You know, I, I and- agree. And like so many other companies, like like even Impact, like when Impact put Hulk Hogan in charge, and they had Hulk Hogan going doing a media tour, and Hulk Hogan would forget to mention Impact, didn't know what anything was going on because he was just there to catch, cash a paycheck, and you were blinded by the idea of Hulk Hogan. Um, and again, a lot more people on social media said this a lot more elaborately than I ever ever could. Um. Wrestling is a TV show, but it's essentially a variety show, whether you want to call it the Muppets, whether you want to call it the circus, whether you want to call it anything else. It's the modern day equivalent of a, of a variety show. Going back to things that Mick Foley would say, it's like you tune into wrestling like you watch the circus, like you may like the acrobats, but you n- might not care for the animal show or you might not like the clowns, but you like the trapeze act. All of that is in a professional wrestling show. If you tune into TV to watch Young Sheldon, it's you're doing it because you like Young Sheldon. If you're a casual fan of sitcoms, you're not just going to casually tune into Young Sheldon whenever the whim hits you. <laughs> There's not like, well, I'm going to watch the first commercial break of Young Sheldon, but I didn't really like the second commercial break act. I'm going to come back to the third act and maybe it'll be better. If I watch it and the first act don't grab me, the second act don't grab me, I'm not sticking around for the third act. With wrestling, if I watch a match and I don't like it, or I watch a segment and I don't like it, it's going to be a segment on afterwards that I'll probably like. I don't like the beginning to end of any wrestling show that I watch because there's tons of different stuff on there. And casual fans aren't looking for that because casual fans don't exist. Wrestling fans. AEW is doing a much better job of getting different wrestling fans that are not casual fans that like independence or that like Japanese wrestling, or they just like this guy, or they just like that guy. And that's why they're bringing in a guy like Orange Cassidy, or they're letting RJ City do a YouTube show, or they're putting Dan Housen on TV in a big production uh, spot. That might attract other wrestling fans that are not watching your product, but those aren't casual fans. Those are just wrestling fans that for some reason aren't watching your product. Yeah, that's who you need to get. Not casual fans. Casual fans don't exist. Um, one quick question: Like, if you are tuned out of Young Sheldon and you are looking at Twitter and like the main event of Young Sheldon's trending, would you then tune back in and check it out? No, because <laughs> re- like regular TV does not work that way. Uh, Only <laughs> wrestling works that way. All right, I wanted to be sure. Um, Honestly, like, I can play the bit that I'm a huge Japanese wrestling fan and I know all these people coming over. But for once, I'll say, obviously, I don't know half of these guys, three quarters of these guys that are going to be involved in it. But I'm very interested to see what happens. You know, I'm interested to, to see the combinations. I'm sure, you know, they they announced what Adam Cole versus Ishii, you know. So, like, just people that I've never seen wrestle or have never seen wrestle uh, like on an American stage, it'll be interesting as like a wrestling casual fan that I am, Joe, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll be looking forward to checking it out. And plus, I mean, you could open the door pun not intended, uh, for future pay-per-views to maybe be like, okay, this is a new Japan 
and AEW show, but we're also going to have like the impact champion, you know, defending on it or something like that. You know, you could have representation for more companies if you wanted to, I'm just, you know, spitballing. Uh, and like, I'm a little surprised that there isn't any impact representation announced or maybe like the NWA or, or AIW or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or maybe like NYWC. Like I do have one simple solution to all of those problems and oversights, but uh, you know, that's why I'm not in the booking committee. <laughs> Did you listen to uh ad on wrestling cheers uh, today, this week? I- I literally just started before we started the podcast, but I hear there's some slander in there that I have to prepare for. No, no, no slander. Um, I don't want to spoil Ed's idea. Um, but uh, yeah, go listen to Ed on uh, Wrestling Cheers and, of course, Pod Van Dam this week and probably later in the phone call section. <laughs> um, I have no idea what his phone call is about, so it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, he has a really good idea for the next step in the evolution of broski's fandom let's say i'm sure it's a very well thought out and coherent plan so i'm looking yeah, forward i'm to just it. gonna say give it a chance wait till you hear it all right um so i guess the other thing is to give wwe their uh just do um so there was leaked footage online from this past friday's smackdown adam oh um so obviously it was put out on social media in part but then i discovered a youtube channel that uh, might be a WWE Shell uh, YouTube channel. I'm not sure how they're able to get full seven-plus-minute dark segments from a TV taping uh, from the house cameras and upload them to YouTube and not get shut down by WWE. But um, <laughs> my dream uh, WrestleMania match uh, since the rumors started was for the U.S. title, or the U.S. title, the Universal title, whatever the hell the title is called now, Cody Rhodes taking on the pride of Hagerstown, Maryland, <laughs> the the mil, the multi-million dollar megastar, L.A. Knight. And there was rumor that L.A. Knight was getting called up to the main roster. He gets called up to the main roster, and it looks like he's going to be a manager, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. They finally, their plans for Adam Cole are finally playing off. Right. Um... And I'll say this, like, he was really good at it. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, we joke. It was one of those, like, l- me being a fan of L.A. Knight at first started out as a bit. And then, like, it became like, oh, I really like this guy. I really want him to succeed. Uh, I hope this young <laughs> 41-year-old whippersnapper gets a chance at the big time. And if it's as a manager or whatever they're going to call him, because WWE doesn't have managers, you'd be like an agent or something. Or yeah. marketing rap, or you know whatever bullshit term WWE uses because they're afraid of saying a manager. Yeah, personal assistant, <laughs> something. But uh, the segment was really good, and he was really good in it. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to more LA Night on my TV. Oh, <laughs> somebody isolate that. And just play that on a loop. That's gonna be my new. Re- Whenever I get a text message, it's gonna be you <laughs> saying, "I really look forward to LA Night on my TV." <laughs> I listen. I said it started out as a bit, but then, like you know, I kind of you know I like him now. <laughs> now here's the thing, Joe. When his figure comes out, are you going to buy it? Ooh. Let's assume his first figure is an elite. You know, and it's not a basic. So I'll I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I'll. It's one of those things where like I'll I'll know it when I see it. You know. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. You have to buy it because. 
his first figure will say will say L.A. Knight on it, and by the time the figure hits the store, he'll have a new name. Right, and he'll probably be released by then too. You know, so <laughs> we'll get a new name, and then the figure will come out as L.A. Knight, and then he'll get released, and then he'll go on he'll control your the- narrative. <laughs> oh, oh, he's primed for control your narrative. He fits in with that crew. He's also, um, I don't know anything about his affiliations or his attitudes, but if you told me to pick a guy out of the lineup that looks like he would be on CYN, I'd be like, yeah, it's that guy. Oh <laughs> it's fucking J.D. Drake or whatever his name was. Eli Drake. How Eli dare Drake. you? <laughs> I, I just have one other thing I want to throw out. I don't really have a lot about it, but I just want to say that the gender-neutral monarch tournament bump once again is in full effect as we see competitors from this year's tournament Danhausen and Hook squaring off in a very over uh you know confrontation that's coming up and uh I've enjoyed these segments I am officially denouncing any bad things I said about Danhausen in the past I'm on, I'm on board the Danhausen Express I'm not going to change my Twitter names to like Hausen cuz that's stupid and it was lame even when it, people were doing it but I enjoy the fact that for whatever reason his curse doesn't work on Hook and uh, again they are welcome for us giving them the bump We're putting the idea in Tony Khan's head that that's where the money is you want engagement you want fan interaction you put Danhausen and Hook together and uh, are they building to a pay-per-view match between those two? They should. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it, it'll be on uh, Forbidden Door. <laughs> that'll be for the New Japan fans to do anyway. Um, yeah, man, but those segments, uh, you cannot argue with the fan reaction of both those characters, you know? Yeah. And, and you can't get two more different characters uh, on your TV. And the fact that we live in a world, you know, let's say 25 years removed from the way that wrestling used to be, where someone who might be in Hook's position might have right of refusal to not play ball with a character like Danhausen. And if you're a person that says Hook interacting in a any way, shape, or form with a character like Danhausen diminishes who and what Hook is, then you just unfortunately don't understand what 2022 wrestling is. And I'm sorry for you. Yeah. Now, John, I'm going to put you on the spot without giving it too much thought. Who, who wins that match? You have Dan Housen basically having his first AEW match versus the undefeated killer and hook. It's gotta be hook. And like, obviously AEW doesn't do like double count outs and schmas wins or losses, whatever, you know, you're going to have hook win, but like, does that diminish Dan Housen at all? Absolutely not. No? Okay. Nobody's watching nobody's watching Danhausen to see him win or do cool moves. Even and because he never does cool moves, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're, he didn't do cool moves when he was on the indies. It was all the shtick and it was all the gaga and all the presentation, right? So he comes out, he does the full presentation. Hook comes out, he does the full presentation. They do a stare down, and you do a thing where like now all of a sudden, like Dan Housen has like his druthers. He thinks he could do something. Hook's still cool, calm, and collected. Uh, Dan Housen goes to do the curse one last time. Hook grabs him and gives him a throw, right? Yeah. You could you could sell off that for like a good like minute and a half, two minutes, okay? Crowd reacts. Hook walks around. Dan Housen protests, everything else like that. 
Danhausen gets the idea. I'm going to try to wrestle Hook just like Hook wrestles me. You get a bunch of setup. Hook gives him another toss. Ah, crowd goes nuts. You get another minute and a half, two minutes of horse shitting around with that. Then maybe you get Danhausen one lucky shot in on Hook. Okay. Now Hook's pissed off. Puts him in the the Kathaha Jamei. I'm not calling it the other name. It's the Taz Mission. It'll always be the Taz Mission. And then that's it. There's your match. You don't need anything more than that. Why would you want anything more than that? Yeah. I, I was thinking, like, even, like, you know, Hook destroys Danhausen. Danhausen, like, defiantly try, tries to curse him. You know, Hook destroys him again. Another defiant curse to the point where it's, like, it's a Tommy Dreamer type deal where it's like he's getting murdered, but like he's defiantly like trying to ask for more as he keeps trying to curse him. And the crowd buys into the fact, hey, this guy, you know, he's a joke, but he could take a beating. You know what I'm saying? And it, it gets them both over. Yeah, I don't know if it could go too long. Like you can't have. Oh, I'm not talking like, about like 20 minutes, but I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, like, you can't have Hook like torture Danhausen because then he just comes off as a bully and a mean person. And you can't like have. Like Danhausen ain't gonna Orange Cassidy it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you gotta get, you gotta have Danhausen get one lucky shot in and then just end it, you know? The whole thing maybe like bell the like, uh, the entire segment's like 10, 12 minutes at the most. That's including entrances and the uh the recap at the end. Taz has to be on commentary. <laughs> you know, that's really all you need. Yeah. I mean, that's a little short for the main event of Forbidden Door, but I can understand where you're going. Ah, <laughs> uh, so again, I think that's all we got from this week, huh? Yeah, that's it. All right, let's get into the uh, homework that you assigned from last week. All right. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right, Joe, I assigned you LVAC Mall Madness from way, 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 way back in 2019, which for whatever reason, when I was watching this show, it feels like it was a decade ago. <laughs> certainly does. Yeah, this is like, look at all those people like just jammed into that abandoned footlocker. Where are their masks? God damn it. <laughs> uh, so uh, obviously we'll throw this out here. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch the show, you really should. Um, over on Jerry's Independent Wrestling Emporium, uh, a.k.a. IndependentWrestling.tv. Uh, big week in the news for them this week, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was just picking up little bits here and there on Twitter, but I, I'm staying out of that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I, I wouldn't uh, settle uh, with the settlement series unless you had first right of refusal of what talent you get to put on those shows. But that's just me. Um, go sign up uh, using the uh, promo code at odds. Uh, new subscribers, of course, uh, does not give you anything free up front. But again, of course, if you stick with the service, and I'm sure you will, we get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, but like I said, if you haven't watched the show, go check out our friend Kevin's website, MassLibrary.com. He does a full write-up of all the shows that we assign for homework. Yeah. All right. 
so any uh, questions or concerns or whatever's that you have in regards to any and all of this, just let me know, huh? Yeah, and I, I just want to kind of like before we get into it, obviously we were both at this show. You were on commentary and I was just there as a fan with our, our friend Dave. And I, I remember, obviously, this is what, the Phillipsburg? Phillipsburg yeah. Mall, that's correct. Phillipsburg Mall. So I just want to say like I have been – like, I, I don't know if this is just because I'm like, I'm a child of the eighties and like malls were awesome and I love malls and they don't exist really anymore, you know, but like as a kid, <clears throat> excuse me, going to the mall was like the best thing ever, especially like when you get your driver's license, you go in high school and stuff. So I'm fascinated by malls. I love a good, big, full mall. And this was not one of them, <laughs> you know? So like at the time that we went to this, it was maybe 20% filled. And I think they had the one anchor on the one side. I don't remember what it was. And there was this. Could have been a Macy's maybe? Was it a Macy's? Maybe. Yeah. uh, I'm not sure. It was like a department store. And then it had like a Kohl's, I think, in there. And there was a big antique consignment store, which I There was a GameStop in there. Oh, there was a GameStop. I bought a Funko there. That was pre-purge. And then obviously all the cell phone stores. But for the most part, this place was borderline abandoned. But it was, like, at the time, I had never been in a mall that was that empty. Like, I obviously, if you go to, like, our local Steamtown Mall, uh, it's bad. But it wasn't as bad as the Phillipsburg Mall. And I guess since this happened, at some point during the pandemic, uh, the, the whole place has been, like, shut down. The mall doesn't exist anymore. The anchors, like, that have outside access still do or may. But the mall itself is completely shuttered. Yeah, because uh, I know Kevin had questioned it. It was not an entirely abandoned mall. It, it was, was an abandoned nice. footlocker. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I remember like the one, the the Sears or whatever, the, the roof had caved in or was starting to you know fall in. And But I guess like the whole building is, is, is shuttered now. And it makes me yeah. sad because I love malls. You know, like it's. Uh, it's a weird thing that I'm into is watching like YouTube videos about the rise and falls of malls. And it's just kind of uh, a unique thing that like we're watching a show like if the LVAC wanted to, they couldn't run another show there. You know, that's how how far we've gone in the last three years. Yeah. And I know there's uh, actually a show coming up here um, maybe like in a month at the Steam Down Mall wrestling event. Yeah, I, I know that they, they talk about it on the A-Show, Pooey, uh, <laughs> and that there's going to be like a six-hour fan expo before this indie show. And I'm like, oh, can't wait to see the names that they're going to bring in for that. But but young Weber Hatfield's going to be at the, the Steamtown show. So. Yeah, a couple of the Chikara kids are going to be there. It's funny to see them talking about Scranton. Little do they know how much it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I heard I saw that advertised, and so uh, I guess they're trying to, as as somebody more famous than I says, ladle in our warmth, or ladle in the LVAC's warmth by like, running yes. a mall show at an abandoned mall. <laughs> yeah, almost abandoned. Yeah, maybe All they right. can fight. Hold on, I wanted to rail this even more. Maybe the, <laughs> somebody can somebody can wrestle into the aquarium at Seamtown Mall, and they could be like fighting next to the turtles. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where their setup was. Cause I know like impact, like uh, you may not remember this, but a couple years ago, like impact was doing a thing where they, they would kind of co-opt in with a, a local indie and send a bunch of impact guys there to say, it's like, Oh, it's an impact taping with your favorite indie stars. But then like only the impact guy matches would be the one that would go on like impact plus or whatever. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. And when they did it, I'm almost certain 
that it was on the second floor. Are you fam- how familiar with the Steamtown Mall are you? Uh, you know, again, I was huge there in high school, so I, I know the layout pretty well. Upstairs were the like the fitness places or yep. was that's where the ring was. Okay, that used to be the the sky bridge to the globe. That's how yeah. old I am. <laughs> so I don't but, know if that's where they're going to be setting up for. I think it's like high tension something or other that's running the show. I think they're running on uh, independentwrestling.tv that weekend anyway. But that's oh, a very okay. busy weekend. All right. I think like that's like Flying V is running that weekend, and that's also the uh, New Japan Super Show in uh, Washington D.C. That has Tomohiro Ishii for Sadie Kingston on it. So <laughs> a lot of things vying for your eyes. That's right. A lot of things, a lot of things for the casual fan, you know, yes, all kinds of casual fans. But, right. Uh, all right, Joe, stop derailing this. Let's get to the pay-per-view or get all to right. the homework. All right. So, hey, I want to say this. and We're going to be watching the other uh, LVAC show. I have a feeling here in the next coming weeks or so. Uh, 86 minutes, six matches. Perfect. Oh my yep. God. You know? Yep. And, and plus if you're, if you're there, you were, it's a little longer with the intermission, but like watching this uh, after the fact chef's kiss. And there was a dark segment that didn't make it to the tape where was it Layla Hirsch or someone else put the commission to shoot arm bar and hurt him for real. <laughs> now that I meant you mentioned that, I do remember that. I, oh, geez. Yeah. She's legit, isn't she? It certainly is. <laughs> oh, so opening contest is Johnny Moran, Christina Marie, Lucky 13, and Juan Francisco de Coronado taking on Green Ant and all three members of the Batiri, right? Yeah. Now, uh, my caveat for pretty much every match on the show, except for maybe like the last two matches, is we could have shaved a minute or two off everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this was a fun opener. Very clearly defined good guys and bad guys. Everybody gets to do hot hot house show dives in this match. And then the finish comes where everyone does a whole bunch of attitude era finishers. And it leads to Lucky killing someone with the 2022 Jeff Hardy Swanton bomb. (laughs) I have that in my notes, yeah. Yep. Uh, But this match is a blast. Yeah. Like Lucky, uh, not exactly the the largest of competitors, but he is solid. So like, oh, yeah. that's that's a lot of concentrated mass coming down in a small area. Yeah, and uh, the I have just the Batiri and Green Ant were like super over. You know, like obviously a lot of the people that go to these LVAC shows are you know like consistent LVAC fans or former Chikara fans and whatnot. So. You know, everybody knew who most of these people were. So, like you said, it was a great, fun opener. Uh, nothing spectacular other than the, you know, lucky killing somebody. <laughs> like I said, I, I love seeing uh, guys getting a chance to kind of let their hair down and have a little bit of fun like this. Who may have at this time and at this time and maybe even before this time and later of this time maybe had some uh, bridles on them where they really couldn't let their hair down and really have some fun on shows in the Northeast in front of hometown crowds. So that was nice to see. Uh, Commentary was myself and Missile Assault Man, uh, who's who's my buddy. I miss him. Uh, He's pretty much done with wrestling. He pops in and out at shows every now and then to say hi. Um, But he's one of those guys, real good dude, super quiet and i'm like hey come on do commentary with me he's like no 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 i'm like no come on we'll have fun and i thought he did great 
Yeah, I mean, he mentioned at the very beginning, or you mentioned that it was his first time doing commentary. It didn't show. You know, he right. was very comfortable, natural. Like, and obviously, it comes off. You know, he's buddies with you, and you're able to pull it out of him. You know, yeah. so good job. Uh, so next up, we have uh, Calix back when he was a castigator taking on Brave Billy Avery. And again, <laughs> obviously, I'm I'm playing it a little bit to Kevin's review, pretending that maybe you read this. Um, that is Billy's music where it gets to a point in his theme song where there's a monologue of essentially Billy's inner voice, I guess, of him giving somebody in the crowd dirty looks to challenge them to a fight. That wasn't done over the live mic as part of like improv. That's part of his entrance theme, right? Yeah. And, uh, our friend Dave, uh, (laughs) Billy Avery's his favorite wrestler, like of all time. (laughs) Like, I remember uh, Billy Avery may or may not have been under a mask at a different LVAC show. And Dave was super mad that I didn't give him the Iggy. You know, that that was Billy Avery. I was like, dude, I didn't know I wasn't backstage. (laughs) I'm just like a fan like you. But uh, it was the theme song of Billy Avery that sold Dave on him. And like, I love the theme song as well. Uh, And I I believe Dave even tried to be like, yo, can like I get a copy of that? Or is there like a web? Can I go to your website and like buy the MP3? And uh, Billy Avery no sold him on all of it. So I'm mad. But uh, yeah, it's a great, great opening theme song. Uh, So this was a very classic big man versus little man match. And it was a really, really big man against a really, really little man. Uh, standout parts of the match is uh, Billy Avery consistently going for the dragon sleeper and me <laughs> getting in a joke for like zero people that Billy Avery's idol is uh, at the time Daniel Bryan now Brian <laughs> Danielson again um, Calix doing the 100 plus standing vertical suplex um, and then they try to do a finish and I'll give this I'll give both these guys credit um, you know, Calix very, very young in the business at this time. At that time, Billy maybe a little bit more experience off that. Uh, they did a deal with the victory roll. They got fucked up, and they didn't like repeat the spot. They just kept going. Uh, that was like some good veteran instincts out of these two guys. Uh, Calix ends up winning. Uh, you know, the the story of Billy Avery looking for that first victory at an LVAC show continues. I thought this was a fun match. Yeah, like uh, it was very fun. I think that, like, again, and I didn't know what the long term storyline was going to be because, you know, sometimes some stuff at LeVac is long term storytelling, and sometimes it's just, hey, these guys are here and we're going to have a match. So I didn't know where they were going with Billy Avery. So, like, I would not have been surprised if he pulled off the, the surprise win, you know, right. but at the same time, losing, you know, it, it didn't take anything away from anybody. Uh, next up, we have a tag team match. Uh, Layla Hirsch, currently legit Layla Hirsch in All Elite Wrestling and Gran Akuma, taking on Boomer Hatfield, still under a mask, and Ashley Vox. Makeshift tag teams, and this always happens on an LVAC show, where random folks just get thrown together, hope for the best, and I'd say that they did very well. All four competitors here. Layla was still very early in her career. Boomer, less than a year into his wrestling career, which is crazy to think about now. Um, Akuma, a grizzled vet, and Ashley Vox is one of those people who, uh, you know, does, like she had a little bit of a come up there over the pandemic era in Ring of Honor, and uh, I hope somebody gives her a look again sometime here in the near future. But this was a really good match. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I will just remark this is the second time so far during the course of the events where I encourage people to get on steroids. Um, <laughs> offer still stands. I say with a caveat, doctor supervision, you know, don't don't just do them yourself, you know, get a doctor's supervision to make sure, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, I, I heard you on commentary because, again, this is the first time aside from the main event that I'm hearing the commentary. And uh, you had actually said, oh, I was talking to my car mates on the way down, encouraging them, you know, everybody needs to get on the gas. And I was like, oh, I was this close to being referenced by name. I was sad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would always I would like, you know, I I mentioned a bunch of times, like sometimes I'll get like a joke in my head and I say it a bunch of times throughout the course of the event, because a lot of times like, you know, in my mind, people are like. You're going to watch the whole show and it either ends up being a recurring gag if you're into that sort of thing, or maybe you're just watching one match. So, you know, if I can get my joke in there, you got it, and then maybe you come back and revisit it and it's a running gag or whatever it is. I said the bit about how the uh, Batiri cleared the uh, back stock of Jordan 1s out, you know? (laughs) Like there was anything back there, but it was just a funny gag. We're an abandoned footlocker. I knew what Jordan 1s were at the time, so it was funny that the Batiri lifted them all, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to say, like, obviously, when I started going to LVAC shows, I didn't know no Chikara, uh, but uh, Boomer Hatfield, I had assumed just through knowing who Dasher Hatfield was, um, I, like, I assumed Boomer had been like a pro for much longer. So because he pulls that look off, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely. It seemed like a guy who was only doing it for a year. Right. Uh, and I think uh, Ashley Vox's team wins uh, with the submission on Layla Hirsch. Yep, the fish hook. Yes. Uh, next up, we have Chris Worthless taking on Super Mall Cop Dick Justice. Um, I remember at the time this match being not good. And <laughs> I would like to say that in my old age, my memory has not failed me. <laughs> um, the match itself was what it was. Uh, I did get in a prolonged discussion in regards to Duke and the uh, Duke and AIW and the Haas belt or the Haas boot rather. Yeah, I heard that. It makes I know that now. It all makes sense. Right, and uh, you could tell how um, <clears throat> good a match is uh, if you notice how much Bryce and I are talking about anything other than the match itself. <laughs> I'm not saying that Bryce and I's commentary for this match was the template for Taz and Excalibur on AEW Dark. But I don't know. You know, there's a lot of similarities. The check's in the mail, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, for Bryce, it is. Yeah. (laughs) And hey, uh, uh, there was another finger guns issue. And uh, if I know my Chikara, I kind of know what there's issues with that. (laughs) Oh, and I I brought it up as much as I can on commentary. And there was something else. Uh, that, oh, it's in the next, oh, it's in the next match. We'll get into it in the next match. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was the finger guns bit because it's part of Dick Justice's shtick. If you're booking Dick Justice and you don't know he's going to do a bit with finger guns, that's (laughs) on you, pal. (laughs) I I will say, you know, the match was what the match was. Uh, as far as just entertaining a crowd that had like some kids in it, all the bit with, you know, the, the, the mall cop busting the guy who was stealing CDs from the mall. It, it was fitting, you know, obviously there, there was some stuff that could have been done differently afterwards, but you know, the opening while a little, a little long, uh, I enjoyed what they were trying to do. Yeah. All right. So next up we have one half of the double main event, 
uh, as Mantis, uh, Ultra Mantis Black, Hollow Wicket, and Frightmare reunite for the first time in however many, whatever it is, to take on the makeshift team of Tony Deppen, uh, Missile Assault Man, and Mr. X. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, so, match is great. Match is a match of legend. Uh, it's just a fun, chaotic brawl. If you're looking in storyline purposes, um, you know, Mantis had left Chikara maybe the May prior, May of 2018. Um, at the time, he had kind of, like, been evil, and he was not teaming with Hollow Wicked and uh, Frightmare any longer. This was to kind of get them back into being a canonical group outside of Chikara. Uh, we are, as this event happened, we're two months off of, uh, Dasher losing his mask to Boomer Hatfield, the big show in Chicago, and everything was kind of building up to King of Trios 2019, and we were supposed to get the reveal of what, uh, Dasher looked like, as we know now, evolution from a very good professional wrestler into Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler, uh, as the unmasked gimmick, but with this match coming up, as I understand it, there was an edict that this could not be his first match unmasked. And Avery did what he could to honor those wishes, and all things considered, uh, you know, I think we did our best with it. Uh, both the in-ring competitors and myself and uh, Danny Havoc uh, on, on commentary. And that this was another one where, uh, Grant, Danny was there to see, uh, lucky Russell. Cause that's his buddy. And I saw him show up there and I'm like, if you're hanging out, you're going to do commentary with me. Uh, mm -hmm. cause we did commentary in GCW before GCW became what GCW is today for better or for worse. And I loved calling matches with him. I I'd like to think that he liked calling matches with me. Um, you know, we talked all the time via text and everything, and, you know, it was a surprise that he was there, and I'm glad I got to call, uh, you know, one last match with him before everything, you know, that happened, happened, um, you know, less than a year later, and just mm -hmm. the way the world works sometimes, um, but I, listening to this back, I feel bad, he was, like, we didn't rehearse anything beforehand, uh, he was working in this bit with Tony Deppen being like a cantankerous old man. <laughs> and it took me like two passes to like get on board to figure out what he was doing, you know? Yeah, and you're resistant to bits sometimes. <laughs> I was a little resistant to it because I'm just like, what the hell is he saying? Like, I don't get this, you know? But I'm like, okay, okay, I'm on board now, right? Yeah. Uh, we make a reference during this about we have to be careful not to say something so we don't get in trouble with Chikara, essentially. Yeah. And I say, I'm like, you're not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm like, they're going to get in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Grant also made a reference to the last time that him and Ultramanta shared a ring. Uh, Nigel McGinnis left the building in a huff. <laughs> so uh, Mantis and Grant wrestled at an AIW show as part of the one of the J-Lit weekends, you know? Okay. And they did, you know, and again, not like they did like a hardcore deathmatch sort of thing where Danny got like super busted open, right? Yeah. And uh, at the time, uh, Nigel was kind of like out of the business, sort of. 
He was doing stuff with Ring of Honor again after he'd gone to Impact. And he couldn't wrestle because, and again, I think he might have had hepatitis C, right? Sounds about right, yeah. And he was real, like, skittish about blood on shows. And, like, nobody said, like, don't do blood. Because Nigel's here at AIW. But yeah. nobody, nobody else said, hey, go get color and go right over by Nigel where he's filming. <laughs> I think Danny and Mantis might have went into business for themselves on that one. <laughs> and uh, Nigel did uh, almost immediately pack up his shit and leave. Nice. Uh, but this is the match where they <laughs> roll outside uh, across the whatever into the KB toys that was across the way from the uh, Foot Locker. And they pull down the gate and they trap uh, Hollow Wicked and Frightmare and Smart Mark Gary in there. And then they three on one beat up Mantis. Uh, a, a, just a spectacle. And this was like the beginning of the rivalry of, you know, Mr. X, Avery Good, Dash or whatever in uh lvac with mantis yeah and uh fun fact gary was stuck in there for at least a month like nobody let him out like <laughs> <laughs> um i i just want to like say like to just put some context on this and i don't want to sound like i'm gushing or anything like that but like so when i first started going to some of these lvac shows i think the thing that like was the selling point was orange cassidy you know because I, I liked that shtick you know, like I liked everything about that. So Orange Cassidy is what got me in the door. But the Mr. X versus Mantis stuff that started with like a run in at the previous Let's Hang Out. Like I think like Mr. X came out and like, you know, challenged Mantis to this match at Mall Madness. And then it eventually led to like, what was it? A tables, ladders and chairs match or something like that. Or a tables match at a Let's Hang Out was like the blow off. But Whatever this storyline with Mr. X specifically versus Mantis, this is what like hooked me. Like I got my foot in the door for Orange Cassidy and, you know, love to see the boar, like to see Dan to a less, much, much lesser extent. <laughs> but uh, the Mr. X stuff and just the who could this be, you know, thing with like who's under the mask and like that, like for somebody who just doesn't like wrestling and is a curmudgeon is burned out and has lost interest in all of it. Uh, this stuff got me at least to love this segment of indie wrestling, you know, like, uh, this storyline and just the trilogy of like events that led to it. Uh, like I was like, okay, from this point forward, I am going to be hooked on all of this. And then obviously, uh, you know, eventually Mr. X is unmasked and it's Avery good. And we get like all of the, the music with the best, the best, the best. And I'm like completely hooked and bought into all of that. So, uh, like I said, I'm going to, at the risk of sounding like I'm gushing, like I just want to give all the credit where credit's due to like the LVAC shows and specifically this storyline. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I do to this day. And that's, you know, I think, um, what these shows have given a lot of fans for a variety of reasons. And again, you know, you could say lapsed fans, you could say different fans, you could say whatever you want to say, but you know, I, I think these shows um, slowly, but surely started to kind of attract fans that were missing something, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, you mentioned orange Cassidy, of course, we then have the main event. 
Um, the main event is Big Dan Champion taking on Orange Cassidy. This is a match that I think has been up on YouTube. I know Dan has shared it dozens and dozens of times on social media. <laughs> Even before he was supposed to. <laughs> right. And rightfully so. And I don't want to blow up anyone's spot in this, of course. But this is also the transfer of the rivalry from Orange Cassidy and Big Dan to Bryce and Big Dan. Uh, <laughs> this is where that kind of sort of begins. Uh, we get an Orange Cassidy favorite spot of the smaller man attempting to body slam the much larger man. Uh, which, if, if, if you watch enough Orange Cassidy matches and you know... Uh, then you know that's in like almost all of his matches, and I love it. It's it's fantastic. Scoop and, slam, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just one of those things, man. Like him coming out to that music and just hearing that crowd react to him. Um, you know, it was moments like this, and this was obviously a smaller crowd than you would see at a TV or a pay per view over the last three years or whatever. Um. But it's moments like this, and you could look at this, you know, three and a half years ago, whatever it was, and people say, it's like, man, can you believe that Orange Cassidy is over as he is? And I say, yes, I do. I believed it. I was there. I saw it happen. I saw this build, you know, from 2006 to 2022, you know, the work that he has put in, the reactions that he gets from a crowd, um, you know, and like just doing this stuff with his character and... And, you know, if you were there live, you know, it was just a fantastic moment. I think watching it at home, it was still a really cool moment. And, uh, yeah, you know, this is like maybe the most current thing that we've watched for homework that wasn't a Nightmare Family showcase, (laughs) (laughs) which aren't real, I don't think. Uh, yeah, um, I, just a real quick for this match, I didn't rewatch this for homework because I've seen it so many times, you know, <laughs> so like, uh, I didn't need to rewatch it. I remember it, but credit to Dan champion. Uh, he's a great foil for orange Cassidy, you know, like he, he's great at doing what he's supposed to do. Just go out there and get booed and, and take the pin, but do it in a, you know, in a very entertaining way, like credit to him. Uh, as much as we want to give the flower storage Cassidy and obviously Bryce was great getting his involvement in this. And you, you mentioned that uh, that becomes a bone of contention over the following months and months between Dan and Bryce, you know, uh, Dan won't let that go, but uh, yeah, a great main event, send the people home happy. And I didn't mention this during intermission was the, the first time I actually got to meet uh, Bryce Ramsberg and like, this goes without saying a nicer guy you'll never find. You know, like uh, I bought a T-shirt. I got a Mark pick. He gave me his rookie card. I still have to this day. Uh, but great interaction. Uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, this was uh, a, a great, uh, a, a great fun show. I'm looking forward to you assigning the next one to us in two weeks and getting a chance to watch that. You know, <laughs> I was that was not my other thing in my uh, my choices last week. No, no, it was not. This was uh-huh. the only, I, I swear, I swear on Tay Conti. I swear oh, on, well. I swear on the face of women's wrestling. The face? The face that the other LVAC show wasn't what I was going to assign. All it right. was this LVAC show specifically or something completely unrelated. Okay. I, I swear. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, with recent things getting freed up and so forth, um, I haven't, you know what, uh, let's see if we can get a response before we're done recording here today. 
Uh, I'm not a voice to text person because that ends up being a crutch on your life. <laughs> um, hang on here. It's in getting out. Have you gotten to test the connection? Come on. At the Weibacher. She just went with Brewery. Rookie for mistake. the LVAC show. Yet. A lot of talking with Jerry this week. I was going to say, what I know about Jerry, uh, the very little I know, is that he'll be very quick to respond to you. Mm, he's quick to respond to me all this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, certainly. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of questions. We'll, we'll talk, pal. <laughs> it's all out there. I don't know. You said you didn't follow it, but you know. Um, <laughs> okay, I get you. So uh, my uh, homework uh, is going to be the uh, AIW show that's streaming live on IWTV Friday night. Uh, Eyes of the Beast, I think the event is called. Uh, whether you listen to the AIW podcast this week, which gives a rundown to it, uh, whether you listen to the episode of Wrestling Cheers with Justin Summers and Young Ed from Pod Van Dam. Giving a rundown of the card. Uh, it is a pretty stacked card for AIW standards. Uh, Broski is there defending the title against Josh Prohibition. Uh, Minoru Suzuki is booked, uh, taking on uh, Isaiah Bronner in one of those different matches that we're getting to see somewhere out there uh, with Suzuki being still in the United States. And it's at the Odeon, which is like AIW's new home. That's where they get their hottest crowds. That's where I think AIW looks the best these days. And like I said, it's streaming Friday night. I don't think you'll be watching SmackDown. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Uh, but it'll probably be over before Rampage is on. So it'll be a nice full night of wrestling for you on Friday. Nice. I, I love when AIW shows come along, especially the Odeon ones that are streamed live, because it's it's the homework equivalent of the the free center square on bingo. Right. You know, it was something I was going to watch anyways, and if you sign up for homework, it's just like, oh, okay, that's painless. For sure. Yeah. And if, if, if this had lined up to my week to assign, I would have done this as well. Right. I think it's a given. Yeah. Uh, so are we ready to get into phone calls? Hell yeah. All right. First up is Dwayne. Hey guys, this is Dwayne out in Missouri with the uh, weekly SmackDown timing recap, whatever you want to call it. Uh, only the second week of the new season and it's already riddled with controversy. Um, fired up the DVR before the show was over, took a chance, and it turned out the first 40 minutes of it were taken up by a tornado watch from the local news. <laughs> so I was able to zip through that pretty quick. Um, and I knew that put me at risk of having to watch the main event. But uh, the show for me actually started at the very end of the Naomi-Rhea Ripley match. Ooh. I was able to zip forward to the end of the Madcap Moss match, where his finishing maneuver is now the punchline, but there's no punch involved, which is a little <laughs> weird. And uh, then I watched the ever-entertaining Sami Zayn's entrance, Zip to the end of that match. And then there was finally the situation with Butch. Butch and his partners were being interviewed, and he disappeared. And I really thought this was going to lead to a series of vignettes, um, similar to that of the uh, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Lost in Cleveland 
series that we all know and love, um, possibly culminating in Butch taking on an imposter Butch at SummerSlam. Really looking forward to that. Uh, but it turned out he was just in the next room attacking the New Day. Um, the good news is watching all those segments uh, caught me up with the actual end of the show. So I was able to zip through and not have to watch the main event, bro. Um, so total time this week, again, a little controversial, but only 17 minutes and 38 seconds. I think there needs to be an asterisk. <laughs> right. Obviously, you can't control the weather. <laughs> um, and this was another one where I only watch the clips that are available on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And there's that uh, channel that's definitely not a burner account for the World Wrestling Entertainment called WWE American Nation, where they put up full segments and full matches and dark segments and so forth, right? Yeah. Uh, So I watched the seven and a half full L.A. Night segment. (laughs) Um, I watched the three minute uh, Lacey Evans promo because I have to keep an eye on her because she's already fucked herself up already online. Oh jeez! I said, I, like, after I watched that segment, I said to a, I said to a mutual friend of ours, I'm like, as long as she doesn't fuck things up on social media, uh, you know, the, the, she's kind of positioned for like at least a halfway decent run, maybe against like Charlotte uh-huh. over the summer, um, even though it's like one Charlotte versus another, and uh, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, uh, Wednesday she went and tweeted tweeted out something that like I don't know vaguely racist i'm not sure didn't get a lot of traction because i don't think people care about lazy evans you know uh. so she has that going for her. uh so like i said seven and a half minute uh uh la night segment let's say three minute uh lacy evans thing uh i did watch the madcap moss promo i wouldn't watch a mad madcast moss match if you paid me that's three minutes uh, I did watch the Charlotte Flair Drew Gulak thing, which is five minutes. And then I watched the Drew Gulak follow up interview backstage, which was another minute. So four, nine, 12. I think I got you beat this week with 19 and a half minutes of SmackDown for me. Uh, not that I counted. I'm pretty sure I fast-forwarded looking for Roman Reigns and didn't see any, so I, I might have made it through all of SmackDown in like a minute or two. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Thank you very much for your call, Dwayne. Uh, luckily, the tornado missed you, but not the tornado warning. <laughs> Next caller. Hello. Awesome, my God. Strongest man, all the land, you know, all that jazz. I'm calling in very early because this is fresh in my mind. I don't want to forget. So it's a little about me, but it's, it's actually a question about anything in general because I was inspired because I recently took place, took part in the UWFI contender series of Paradigm. And most people, you know, most logical people would be like, you know something, Austin Acosta, I don't think he's a real fit for that series, you know? He's a little out of place. And I can agree. But it was worth trying, worth giving it a go. I had fun. Now, with that, my question to you pertains to that. What's a wrestler? A wrestler in the history of this sport, have you seen someone so out of place, whether it be a different uh, company, a different uh, style, gimmick, whatever, who is the most 
out-of-place wrestler you can think of? That's the question. I hope you dwell on it good. You guys have a blessed, blessed week. Ooh, I'm just going to do a bullshit one, and then I'll defer the rest of my time to you, and I'm going to say the giant basketball player that's in AEW slash Ring of Honor now. Aww. <laughs> Completely out of place for, like, either one of those brands. Okay. He, he should be on NXT. He should be on his fourth name by now. So I would say the most out of place was there was a period of time in, like, 2004, 2005 where Ox Baker, who was like a wrestler from the 60s, was cast in Ring of Honor as a mentor type for members of Special K. None of those words mean anything to me. Right. <laughs> but when you're done, Adam, go go look up Ox Baker, right? Uh-huh. And then uh, Special K was a group of like little flippy boys on the indies. Yeah. And they were kind of going through a, a series of crises. Should they still continue their partying rave ways? And then Ox Baker was just like a really wrong fit to be in Ring of Honor at the time. And Ring of Honor would always try to do things with different legends. They'd bring in Dusty Rhodes from time to time. Or they brought in Abdul the Butcher once or twice. And like as a one-time special attraction, I completely get it. But Ox Baker was on like several shows. And it was just very odd, and it didn't fit, and it didn't last very long. But uh, you know, maybe that stuff will be part of the AI, the AEW streaming service, and we could all watch it together. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I just want to say, I, I think while nothing's official, I have a feeling like I feel like we've got exclusive voicemail rights to Arthur MacArthur at this point. You know, over on Pod Van Dam, they didn't know what they had and they squandered it. You know, they tried to jokerify him. They tried to bury him, but not here. You know, we treat the strongest man in all the land with respect. And I feel like, again, while it's not exclusive, I think that this is a good fit. You know, I, I feel like this is the your home of Arthur MacArthur voicemails. That's right, and uh, I think Pod Van Dam's starting to phase out voicemails. It's just me, Dwight, and maybe one other call. Yeah, it, it's only like 70% of their podcast, so if they get rid of that, I don't know <laughs> what they're going to do, but... They'll be coming in a nice lean 40 minutes, Jonah can <laughs> yawn through something else and watch <laughs> real sports, and Brian can get them in trouble with everyone on the indies for cocking off of the mouth, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next next call. Joe, Adam, it's Kevin Ford. Hope you are both doing very well. I got a text from a friend the other day when he is watching some wrestling and said, is Chris Saban the most underappreciated wrestler of his generation? And I definitely think he's in the conversation. But then I thought about, you know what else is underappreciated about Chris Saban? How much of a hunk he is. <laughs> so I want to know with you guys, who are some of your underrated hunks? Who are some dudes in wrestling that you think are hunks that don't get the love for being hunks as much as they probably should? Mm. Interested to hear your answers. Thanks, guys. So well, I, I just want... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've always been more of an Alex Shelley guy. You know, I appreciate the Motor City Machine Guns, but uh, uh, out of those two, uh, sign me up for Alex Shelley. But... Uh, Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm going to defer to you while I think of a good answer for this. I'm sure so you we, have many people at the top of your list. I could do a lean 90 minutes on this, right? <laughs> um, so he, the, the thing is, Alex Shelley has been a honk 
like his whole career, I'd say. Yeah. Where I would say early in Chris Saban's career, he had like a little bit of baby fat still. And he's kind of grown into his hunkiness in uh, later days, right? Okay. And obviously for what makes a hunk in the world of professional wrestling um, is very subjective. You know, what you, Adam, find attractive is different than what I find attractive or so on and so forth. Um, but I would say maybe the most underrated hunk in all of professional wrestling is, and again, he's an older man now, um, but let's say pre-2006 Mick Foley. <laughs> um, okay, you get the missing ear, you get the missing teeth, but when Mick cleaned himself up, he was a looker and, you know, they would always do like the, the retrospectives of Mick and they would show pictures of Mick in like high school and college. And when he was young and clean shaven, he was like a like he was a good looking kid. All right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, as you're sitting there talking, I, I Googled uh, with the incognito browser on, of course, uh, most attractive indie wrestlers 2022. <laughs> And it was just all women. So I had to add in the caveat or the caveat of male. And it comes up as being like, oh, the hottest acts in wrestling. And I'm like, damn it, you're not getting what I mean. And I feel like there's not enough searches being done for attractive male wrestlers. Uh, so, yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, you know what? Just because we were talking about him earlier in the show, uh, the world was done a service when this man took his mask off and I'll say Weber Hatfield, that's a damn handsome man. Yeah. So that's, I think, um, and you know, I'm not going to disparage anyone. This is for somebody else to disparage, but whether it be on national TV for the most part, or, uh, on the Indies, whenever somebody unmasks, they're always a hunk. Yeah. <laughs> like, wasn't, um, uh, was it like Andrade or, uh, uh, somebody else from Legato, like that was like always a mass luchador when they signed with WWE, like Triple H was like, you're a good looking guy. You're not going to wear a mask. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was Andrade. Cause that was back when Triple H was running things. That's right. I know they wanted uh, to bring things back to the beginning of the show. Initially they wanted Ultimo Dragon to unmask because Stephanie thought he was attractive. Uh, huh. When Ray Mysterio originally unmasked. Like, he was a, you know, he was a cute guy, you know? I wouldn't say he was a hunk, but he was cute, you know? Yeah, um, Hoovy had, had Ho the good uh, looks to him, yeah. Right, Hooventude Guerrera. Uh, I think Psychosis was a, a ruggedly uh, handsome individual as well. So a lot of these guys, I think, uh, you know, mostly the mask guys are your honks, you know? Yeah. If that, right. if that uh, character that pops up from now and then on the indies, Blank, ever took his mask off, I Ooh. bet he's a real looker under there. Uh you will you'll never know unfortunately but uh yeah all right <laughs> i was gonna say and you know what i don't even give a shit i'm saying it i know where you're gonna go you're afraid i'm not afraid no no i was gonna say like trying to work a, a head of the class pun into it oh okay okay because <laughs> i was gonna say uh myself and other people have been trying to work on the bore to work the double gimmick uh yeah. tom brandy patriot style <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, uh, guys of his size and stature tend to stick out on an indie show. So when he comes out and he does an unmasked gimmick and then a mask gimmick, you're like, oh, that's just the same guy, right? Uh, <laughs> but without the mask on, the board's a good looking guy, you know? 
Um, I say I'm, cash, in, cash in on those looks while you still got him. You know, he's in his <laughs> early 30s. and uh... Yeah, I, I'm glad that he keeps the mask on because it lowers the bar for people like me. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> All right, next call. We got a lot of calls this week. All right. Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. This is Justin Summers from Wrestling Cheers, also the editor of Pod Van Dam. And you know what? I got a question for you guys. What is your thoughts on bootleg shirts? <laughs> now, I know there's some people out there who they might be some, you know, hypocrites. The Michael Jordan of uh, hypocrites, you, you, you might be able to say. But, um, you know, some people are against it. Uh, in no way, form, they think the families or the person in particular should get the money. These companies should get the money. Um, we shouldn't be ripping these kind of people off. And in no way, shape, or form do they have, you know, uh, Disney and WWE mix shirts or uh, like reprints of uh, the WCW Disney shirt, or you know, even the reprint, but, you know, they, they would not have anything like that in their closet whatsoever because they wanted to make sure the right people got the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, so thoughts on bootleg shirts. Oh, and uh, are you guys going to be doing Eyes of the Beast for your homework? Because listeners probably should know that if, if it is, then... They can catch the preview on Wrestling Cheers, and they can also catch our review before At Odds with Wrestling next week. Um, just, just not sure, just kind of following a pattern. Anyway, <laughs> love you, love the show, love you all the time. Oh, wrong fucking show. Later, guys. Um, all right, a couple things. Uh, I love the cheap plugs. I appreciate the hustle. Uh, second... I covered my opinion on bootleg shirts over on Weekly Purchases with uh, Brett from We Need Wrestling. So thanks for listening, Justin. <laughs> and third, I feel like uh, some of those digs that he's making towards a certain uh, certain uh, Disney fan wrestler, uh, I, I think Justin was along for the coup more than uh, more than he might have let off previously. <laughs> so. Uh, but as far as just for the, the people who did not listen to Porch Talk, uh, my take on bootleg shirts, if you are bootlegging something from Disney, something from WWE, something from Nintendo, this major corporation, I say go nuts, who cares, fuck them. Uh, if it comes to like wrestlers that are can be benefited from it, like, a, like I would not bootleg... Uh, an Orange Cassidy shirt. I wouldn't bootleg a Boar shirt. I wouldn't bootleg, you know, a, a Brian Danielson shirt, you know, because they are getting that money, at least in part. But when it comes to a corporation, go nuts. I'm I'm in the same mindset as you. I'm okay with a bootleg of a major corporation, a major thing, whatever it is. And again, no pun intended, right? <laughs> but like, uh, and as long as the design is good, and that's the other thing is as long as the design is really, really good or really, really shitty, you know, yeah, um, yeah. back in the day when they would do the really bad Simpsons bootleg shirts, I love those and I wish I still had some of those, you know? Yeah. Um, but and again, if somebody was bootlegging like a Mantis shirt or whatever it was, and I'll even go you one better, like Justin mentioned about like doing WCW shirts or companies that are out of business or whatever it is. Um, 
there's ways that you could do a bootleg that makes it kind of your own thing, and it's more or less paying homage uh, to whatever that intellectual property is that doesn't exist anymore or hasn't done anything to cash in on their own intellectual property for years, if not decades. Um, so, and then the other thing, of course, is if you're going to do bootlegs, but then I'm doing a bootleg, but the shirt's $45, then what are you doing? You know, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're overthinking the, the, the bootleg game. Yeah. hundred percent. Like a bootleg shirt should be bootleg bracing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks for the call, Justin. And, uh, I saw his tweet before hanker down for this one. It's, uh, Kevin Hellions. Oh, geez. Joe, Adam, your A-plus student who always turns in his homework, Kevin. Uh, first of all, I listened to all of last week's show before mentioning it, uh, in case Adam did it himself. I'm very disappointed that he did not mention his biggest new purchase, because uh, I have to assume that he bought an Alexa Bliss wedding brawler um, <laughs> to go with his uh, Cardona and Chelsea ones. You know, for the grease shelf. But uh, I'm I'm interested. I want to hear all about it, Adam. So whenever you, you know, whenever you uh, make that financial decision there. Uh, speaking of financial decisions and spending a lot of money, uh, if any of the listeners are at the Impact Rebellion pay-per-view, please say hi to me. as I will be in attendance as well. And this looks like a hell of a card. Really looking forward to it. And speaking of things to look forward to, you know, there's, there's lots of discussion amongst certain wrestlers and certain people on the internet about what is and is not taught in schools. But isn't it interesting that these same people are blissfully unaware, I guess, of the re-education happening in pro wrestling now? You know, we get so used to the WWE way and have been for the last 20, 30, 40 years and not really understanding an alternative for it. It's almost like when someone comes over from another country and they think all hamburgers are McDonald's, and McDonald's is all hamburgers. And then they have something that's actually good and not mass-produced, and it delights them. And I'm, I'm watching AEW. I had to watch it a day late this week. I'm thinking, geez, I haven't seen this person a couple weeks. I haven't seen this person a couple weeks. And, you know, that's not a bad thing at all. No one needs to be on the road 300 days a year beating up their body like that paying for their own hotel and transportation all the time, taking even less home every week. Like wrestling fans do not have the short attention span that they have been uh, saddled with for all this time. I'm enjoying seeing people get time off. I'm enjoying seeing all these styles. Hell, not that long ago, because I'm not the Japanese expert that Adam is, <laughs> I wouldn't have cared about Ishii. And I get to see him Friday on Rampage, and then I get to see him live on Saturday against Jonah. Like, this is incredible, and it's not the WWE, who we shove in your face, who's got a good look, and I think we're all learning and honestly enjoying wrestling a lot more. Uh, people that, you know, ask me and probably ask you guys for years, who's the best wrestler? Who's the best wrestler? And I frequently made a distinction of there's a difference between the best wrestler and the best sports entertainer. You know, uh, in my re-education, I think I'm um, a wrestling fan and not a sports entertainment fan. Still going to watch. I think that's the end of his call. 
Um, I he mentioned a lot of stuff in there, but uh, I'll just say that Impact has been sneakily good for the past like six months, and mm-hmm. I completely get why people don't watch it because you may not want to support a product that puts people like Moose or Sammy Callahan or you know whatever other people that have been charged with or accused of all sorts of suspect things, and I completely get that. There's ways to follow these products without having to watch those segments. It bums me out when those segments cross over. You had mentioned earlier that the major players are doing a promo segment on the show as we record. When we're done, I'm going to hunt that down to watch it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a, a quick aside, it's it's shocking that it took them this long to get on the right page with having all of them be heels together, you know? But yeah. that's, that's a story for another day. Uh, I will just address what Kevin opened up his call about, and that is uh, the Alexa Bliss uh, micro-brawlers, which unfortunately do not exist. And it started making me think during much of that call uh, just how much I would spend on an Alexa Bliss micro-brawler of any kind. And uh, it would... It would uh, uh, eclipse broski numbers so uh there are no alexa bliss micro brawlers they have in the WWE like some kind of bootleg brawler they they sell on their website in these like merch crates um but there has not yet been an alexa bliss and i wouldn't buy it because i'm not a, a bliss completist i buy all of her elites i buy all of her ultimates and i buy all of her cardboard cutouts and that is the extent of uh everything you don't buy the creepy lily doll knockoffs of her or anything like that no, 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 nothing, nothing really of this current run. And uh, I'm sure when she's released in a couple months, I'll, I'll be looking forward to her next merch. But other than that, you'll get that brawler when that comes out, right? Yo, hell yeah, I'll be, yeah. Ch- I'll be chasing down the chase, as the, <laughs> as the the name would uh, imply. Right. All right. Last call, everyone. Pink button time. Ooh. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um. So, last week I called in, and I blamed Adam correctly for uh, being the reason that twice didn't book an East Coast stadium date. I'm so right about that. But I did tell him, you have to make this up to me, because I will probably never get to see them again, as their contracts are up at the end of the year. And uh, luckily, I believe he did that. Adam, I don't know how you did it, but... You convinced Belle Delphine to come back, and I'm very excited. I can't wait to see what she does, what art she makes. Um, maybe she'll sell her picks this time. I would buy it. Um, which is very exciting. We don't know. There's been two tweets, and that's about it. Um, just really, there's it's, it's limitless possibilities of what the greatest performance artist of my generation can do. So that's about all I have to say this week. Uh, by the time you talk to me next week, I will have seen Jerry at AIW and successfully pitched him a show. So I assume we'll be in pre-production uh, by this time next week for whatever show I decide to pitch him um, at AIW Friday. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Belle Delphine's back. <laughs> so Joe, like much like last week, we got multiple voicemail calls from the definitely real Buff Bagwell. And that right. was... Like, I was starstruck at the time. Uh, I did not know that less than a week later, I would be interacting on Twitter with the definitely real Belle Delphine. So, like, I'm very stoked that this is like, I'm almost like a B-list celebrity at this point. All of these people I'm rubbing elbows with. and uh, uh, But yeah, like, the definitely real Belle Delphine's back. I saw that uh, she was... 
uh, very interactive with her fans, which I hear is exactly what the real Del- Belle Delphine does. Uh, and much like Ed, I'm looking forward to all of her art, as I use my fingers, uh, that she puts out. And unlike Ed, on uh, as he said on Pod Van Dam, I will I will watch any art that is put out there. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to more of this totally real Belle Delphine. Uh, I know you're a, a big Bill Delphine fan. Uh, I know Ed is, of course. I know uh, Artie uh, Arthur MacArthur is a big fan as well. Yep. Uh, I don't get it, but to <laughs> each his own uh, is what I say. I, I just am glad that Ed is not a homeowner so that he does not end up selling his house uh, <laughs> to help support the new very real Bill Delphine and to buy all of her piss. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, this has been told in, in greater detail by Ed, but I, I hear her bathwater goes for a fortune on eBay. And it's like, it's kind of like Bitcoin. You can, you can mock it, but if you got in on the ground floor, yeah. you know, like you, you'd be very, it'd be a very lucrative uh, investment. So I'll say this, I would buy neither. Um, <laughs> but if you told me this money I'm giving you, you could only do one of three things with it. Burn it, <laughs> buy Bitcoin. Or an uh-huh. NFT, let's say, or buy Belle Delphine's uh, piss and or bathwater. I'm going with option three, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Thank no. you. Uh, all right. So thanks to all of our callers. Uh, thanks for calling in, of course. Uh, you could always call us with any reason, anything you want to talk about, 570 846 0897. Uh, usually the cutoff is like Thursday at nine thir- nine o'clock. I don't want to say nine thirty and give you guys a false hope there. Somebody <laughs> called in under the wire last week and fucked me all up, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was worth it because they're a good guy. Um, hey, you could support the show. Um, we mentioned it before. Uh, independentwrestling.tv, a.k.a. Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. I know he's running the Beyond Show op- Wrestling Open, extra innings, whatever the fuck they're doing tonight. So he did not get back in touch with me. Uh, but the show's not over yet, but we're plugging his stuff. Uh, promo code at odds gets you nothing if you're a new subscriber, but it lets Jerry know that you came to him from us. Uh, T Public Store, long, uh, tinyurl.com slash Heroes. The sale, 35% off, is next week. So if you're interested in any of those at-odds-inspired designs and shirts or cell phone covers or notebooks or whatever, wait till then, get 35% off and go and do that. Uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, they call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, notable purchases through the Amazon click through this week include somebody purchased the Marvel Thor love and thunder Thor, uh, Funko pop thing. Ooh. And I know you Adam enjoy the full description. So here we go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Long premier. All right. Premier protein shake. 30 gram, one gram sugar, 24 vitamins, minerals, nutrients to support immune health, uh, 11.5, 12 pack, peaches and cream, 
138 fluid ounces. There's a lot of numbers in there. Like, certainly is. What's the random 11.5 in there for? It says like 11.5 and then 12 pack. Well, it's I assume like, it's a 12 it? pack of 11.5 ounce containers. Oh, I'm glad you're following. And there's like 30 grams and one gram. And there's a lot going on in there. It's 30 grams of protein, one gram of sugar. Listen, I get this. <laughs> You speak Amazon. That's your problem. I, I speak fucking Amazon algorithm. <laughs> when you open your mouth, you sound like a dial-up modem. Yeah. <laughs> That's how far down you are. All right. Uh, somebody purchased Cremo, C-R-E-M-O, detoxifying two-in-one scrub and mask activated charcoal four ounces. <laughs> Cremo sounds like one of the elves on Disenchanted. Right. <laughs> Now, Seattle, I appreciate you uh, taking care of your skincare habits through our click-through. You can always do my uh, skincare habits, which is get the water to a nice boil. <laughs> put a, not a soft, but like kind of a little bit more rough of a washcloth in that water. Let it soak. Start with your ears, Okay. You want to get behind your ears first, get the insides of your ears, then get your eye and nose. A lot of times called the oily T-zone area. Get that first and then give it another soak under that boiling water and then rub the rest of your face with that. I don't know why that's so fucking funny. It's it's funny because it's true. It's what I do. That's my skincare routine. Oh, the, the results pay off too. Like it's just anybody who sees you knows, man. Like, I, I, I've looked and I've been like, this guy must have a regiment. <laughs> you right. know? I, I've I've got no arguments or no compliments either way. You know. <laughs> well done. All right. Last but not least, twenty-five Ultra Pro three by four top loader card holder for baseball, football, basketball, hockey, golf, single sports. Card top loads sports card hard collecting supplies. <laughs> oh, I do need some uh some cases for cards. My my cards are very disheveled. Like I need to get a bunch of penny sleeves and top loaders. So it's good to know that Amazon has them because uh, I was shopping during the pandemic, and I don't know if you know this, Joe, but cards were hot over the yeah. pandemic. Uh, so they were always sold out. But this is kind of giving me inspiration. I should go look into this as well. Yeah, if these are back in stock and they seem to be at a reasonable price, too, because I remember they were out of stock for a while. And then when they came back into stock, the price was up. And I know when I needed top loaders, my kids got a bunch for his Pokemon card. So I was able to just uh, lift a bunch from him. (laughs) Nice. Uh, But again, thank you, everyone, for any and all of the purchases, uh, whether it be this week, this month, this year or whenever you've made a purchase through our Amazon affiliate link. And it can't be like this year because it's only been active for a couple months. Yeah, but here's some things that have been active for more than a couple months, and that's some other podcasts you can listen to, Joe. And those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Final Wrestling Place, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, Wings on Wings, and Between the Sheets. And Joe... 
I am not reinstating the A show into the plugs yet uh, or ever. Uh, they will not be mentioned anymore. Because uh, here's the thing. I know you're a little bit behind on the A show, but I do like to kind of like suffer through it. And uh, that <laughs> that Decker guy has never met a mute button that he wanted to press. Uh, if you are interested in hearing somebody chew or enthusiastically clear their throat for two hours, this is the show for you. Uh, so yeah, if you remember when I was on the A show, you know, when I was like building up that show, building up the brand, you know, putting them on the map, all those episodes that I kept winning and winning and winning. If you remember, there was a time when I might've kind of sort of bent the rules a little bit and I was publicly admonished on air for it. Do you remember that? I do. It was like an incident. I forget. It was like the Scranton betrayal or something like that. Right. Not the Ottawa betrayal, but yes. Yes. They had a a guest on recently, and it wasn't this most recent episode, but it was an episode before that. Uh, It was just one of their nameless, faceless guests that they have on there. And uh, this guy booked FTR. And uh, FTR were not the tag champions in the thing that he booked. In fact, he did not have rights to the tag team titles. And this gentleman booked FTR in like an open challenge to crown a new tag team champion. And wouldn't you know, Joe, nobody was scolded in midair, mid broadcast. Uh, It was just allowed to go on. And I was screaming at my car radio. I was like, how's this fucking guy? I know this isn't no heat, all heaters or whatever, (laughs) but like this guy wasn't scolded. They didn't stop the show. They didn't take him off of his rhythm to read him from the formal a show manual about what you can and can't do. No, it was allowed because probably Decker was asleep by then. Matt was asleep at the wheel as he always is and, and it just went on it was unpunished but anyways the A show will not get mentioned on this podcast ever again <laughs> I, I'm glad to see that you don't hold a grudge that's really all I can say <laughs> um, speaking of which yes. uh, I think it's time for your favorite segment correct? Uh, it is Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. I just want to say two things real quick before we get into weekly purchases. Uh, Because I listen to the ad-free version of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, and I don't hear their version of that anymore, this has eventually, this has taken over that space in my brain that this is the one that only exists and the other one does not. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm the same way. I have not heard any of the jingles in a long time. Um, and, And I think... I forget what it was. It might have been like Incarnation of Domination. Like it popped into my head. I was like, man, that was a really good like uh, jingle. That like, why don't they ever play that anymore? And I'm like, oh, that's right, because I never hear any of them anymore. <laughs> and I forgot to mention during the main part of the show, uh, as of this recording, uh, let me look at a calendar. We are two weeks away from LVAC Bash at the Brewery. Still have not heard back from Jerry yet if that is going to be streaming on independentwrestling.tv. Um, but you better hope it is because it is NWO sold out. Uh, yeah. There's a couple local retailers and I think 
uh, like brick and mortar stores, and one of them might be Avery Goods House that still has <laughs> tickets available. But online ticket sales were shut down two days ago um, as of this listening. And I know everyone's very happy. And I said this publicly, half kidding, not half uh, serious, maybe. That the reason that it sold out, that literally every single person on the show, from referees to commentators to ring crew, got match graphics except for me. So (laughs) I think the hiding of my involvement in this event is what helped boost the sales um but again that'll that'll be a tale for another day yeah I, you know honestly i don't think there has been a match graphic for you since like one of the very early ones like yeah so well, that's why the attendance has been going up every I, time i i i, I only speak t- in i only speak in truths adam no yeah. uh I, no hyperbole you know yeah, and obviously a lot of people want to see uh, Avery Good's 10th and final match of his final 10 go off. And, uh, you know, over 10,000 people will be at the Weyerbacher Brewery that night, Joe, to watch Avery Good. The Weyerbacher Brewery doesn't hold 10,000 people. It did that night. It will that night. <laughs> ah, I ruined it. Very close. <laughs> Speaking of the future, so you got to use yeah. the look at the adjective, you know. Yeah. It's... <laughs> So uh, I got two purchases, but they go together. So uh, I can't tell one without telling the other. So you do what you're going to do until you get to like your second to last one. I'll scoop all your heat and then you could whimper it close. <laughs> I'll take us home like all nice and whimpered. Yeah. All right. So I went on a little bit of a doll safari earlier in the week. Um, this was just a regular, you know, my regular path on a regular day that I was off. I went to my local Walmart. And I found on the pegs uh, a full case or possibly two cases. I don't know how many were in a case of the Star Wars retro vintage series figures. Uh, They are the ones that you hate with the distressed packaging. Oh, yeah. Makes my blue blood boil, I tell (laughs) you. And uh, I picked up the Mandalorian one because while I am a completist when it comes to Mandalorian Black Series figures... Uh, if I can find a retro uh, in the wild for retail, I will pick it up. And I currently have, if my math is right, four of the six Mandalorian vintage series figures. So uh, we're getting there, you know, piece by piece. So I had to go in and grab that. Uh, and anything else you want to say about the retro carding that you love so much? Uh, no, not about the retro carding, but I just want to throw this out there. Yeah. Um, I know a couple months back, maybe like two months ago, when the pre-order went up for the client figure. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously a bunch of people went to a bunch of different places to go ahead and do their pre-orders. I had luck with the Bib Fortuna um, getting it through Hasbro Pulse directly themselves. Apparently, if you ordered it through Amazon, you already got yours. Oh, wow. Uh, Hasbro Pulse still says... Uh, pre-order this item is expected to ship January 2023. Uh, but people who pre-ordered through Amazon already have them in hand. And that was the other thing. Of course, you hear horror stories about stuff coming through from Amazon. And the couple that were shared with me, um, as they said, may not pass the jeweler's loop test, <laughs> uh, but look to be in really good uh, condition. Oh, that warms my heart that that's just permeating into your life. But uh, yes, nice. Uh, yeah, I've been hearing like 
whether it be in the major Facebook group or even on the podcast, they talk about like, hey, I ordered this directly from NECA or I ordered this from Hasbro. Why is this in a store already or stuff like that? So it seems to be happening all over the place. Anyways, at that same Walmart, I walked over towards the wrestling figures. And full disclosure, I went to the wrestling figures first, as I always do. And there was a full case of AEW figures, and it was the Dark Order assortment. And that is the assortment that had the two Brodies, the Anna Jay, the Stu Grayson, the Evil Uno, and the John Silver. Um, so as is required, I quickly looked at the two uh, Brodies, and neither one of them were chases, so I was sad. I thought today was going to be the day, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was really excited. Um, so at that point, I was like, okay, do I need another Brody or do I know anybody who voiced a need for a Brody? And I was like, I know you have one. And uh, I was like, I already have two. I don't need a freaking another basic Brody. Uh, so I was like, no, I'll pass. And I have the Anna J. I have the John Silver. So I was like, I'm going to grab the Uno and the Stu Grayson. So I pick up the, uh, the Uno. Everything's fine. I look at the Stu and I look behind the figure for whatever reason. And I don't see the pack of cards. And I don't know if you looked at the backside of your Brody, but the pack of cards is kind of glued to the back of the packaging. Okay. And if you look at it from the backside of a mint on card figure, you can kind of see a square outline of wherever the glue or whatever machine pressed that pack of cards onto the back cardboard, if that makes sense, kind of leaves an indent. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so when I look at the back of this Stu Grayson figure, the indent wasn't there and the figure was still sealed. So it looks like that particular Stu was manufactured by accident without the pack of cards in it. So as a mint on card collector, or just even as somebody who wants the full value of what they're buying, I was like, I can't buy this Stu figure. I have to put this back, but I did buy the evil Uno. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I never see the AEW figures in the wild, and if I did see any from that assortment, you know, I would probably be, uh, you know, uh, inclined to pick one, if not a bunch of them up, you know? Yeah, and it's just because I already had a bunch of them, and I was, like, tempted to buy the Brody just to have another one, but then I was like, there's two of them, and just because we had said before, I have never seen an Orange Cassidy figure in the wild. I've always had to buy them from ringside and I just right. want that experience of, of finding one in the store, you know, and it was cool to find the Brody. Um, but here's the thing, Joe, there's a little bit of a follow-up to this story. I'm leaving the, this is at the Dixon city Walmart and I have nothing to do. So I'm going to go to the Pittston Walmart, which like I, I had said before, when it comes to the, the Funko slash Nika section, uh, it's so much better than the one here or the one in Wilkes-Barre. So I'm like, I'm going to drive to Pittston, right? So I jump on 81, and I'm about three quarters of the way uh, on 81, just cruising along, listening to somebody's podcast. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, you didn't check to see if the Anna J figure was a chase. <laughs> I just looked at the pictures on the side of the box, and I looked at the Brodies. But I didn't think about the Anna J, and I, I had like a panic attack, Joe. I forgot she was the other. I I forgot there was two chases in that set. Yeah, and I was like, "Do I go back?" Because at this point, I'm a half hour away, and I'm like, "If I go back, what are the odds that it's there?" And like, what if it's gone? 
And I will never know if that was a chase or just the regular one. And somebody went and scooped it up. And I was like freaking out. So I literally pulled over and I was like, what do I do? I pulled over, like not at the side of the road, but I got off on an exit that wasn't my exit. This is how much of a psycho I am. And if you remember, I took the picture and I posted on Twitter of the peg, all the figures on the peg. Right. And I, it showed the spine of the figures, like the spine of the box. And I went and I went on eBay and I was like, maybe the side of the box is different on the chase. <laughs> so I looked up mint on card pictures of the chase on eBay. And I, and this is good knowledge that I now have. So I'm kind of relieved is that if you look at the side of any AEW figure, there's a number it'll have like, Oh, this is number figure, number seven, number 15, whatever. Uh, the chases are red numbers and the regular ones are white numbers. So gotcha. if you're ever looking at them from the side, you're looking for red numbering. And, but like, I was panicking, legit panicking, legit kicking myself. Like, how could you be so fucking stupid not to at least look at the front of the fucking figure? Because I would have scooped up that Anna J chase uh, and I would have been happy and I would have kept it. And it would have been, everything would have been right in the world. But I was very upset that I didn't look it up, but crisis averted. Oh, so, and again, I, I'm glad that your crisis was, was averted. Um, I've been seeing a lot more instances of people finding the chases in the wild. Um, IVP video guy, um, maybe, or maybe friend of Billy gun fact, <laughs> uh, at two different targets in the Maryland area the other day found two Nyla Rose chases. Yeah. A uh, friend of mine, John ordered from ringside. I may have mentioned this, maybe not. Um, he went, his kid likes Darby Allen. So he went and ordered from ringside of Darby Allen and got a chase. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, I don't want to open a chase. Oh, I see yeah, it's that. online. I'm not going to flip it or nothing. So let me order another one from ringside. And he got another chase. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and then he did it again. Oh God. And, and got a third chase. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, they're out there, man. So I don't know. You just gotta. It's, Look in the, oh, it's so frustrating. Yes. So he's They're just like, like, fuck it. He's like, he's like, fuck it. My kid's opening up a chase. You know what I mean? I got three of them. Oh, I would have bought him a goddamn Darby figure. Right. <laughs> it's like freaking Vegas vacations. I put a quarter in the slot machine and what a car. Pull the lever, put what a car. Pull the lever, what a car. Oh. And there's the things in the major group of like, oh, I ordered seven stings from GameStop and they sent me seven chases. <laughs> fucking assholes. I bet you they're available for 35 shipped. Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, in a rare instance of a of something for the good guys, finally, Joe. Uh uh, the other day, uh, I I woke up in the morning and my alarm's going off, and I'm like, I don't want to go to work. I fucking hate work, and they fucking suck, and I don't want to go there. And I was like, you know what? I have PTO. So fuck the importer exporter business. I'm not going to work today. So I called off of work and uh, uh, unrelated to the fact that, you know, whatever. Uh, so I decided since I was off, I was going to go to Target. Despite the fact that the Target app said that they did not have any ultimate Batistas in stock. But uh, I was like, eh, whatever. I have I have the whole day off now. I'm going to go in and wouldn't you know it, Joe? I walked down the wrestling toy aisle and there was an Ultimate Batista, just one lonely one sitting on the shelf. 
And the only problem was is between me and that figure was just this neck bearded doll dork that oh, was come like on in now. between me and like <laughs> in between me and the figures. And uh uh luckily that person was looking at the Star Wars figures, so I was like, nerd, and he got out of the way, and I grabbed the Batista and I was happy. Uh so uh I would have bought 20 of them if they were there, you know, not maybe 20, but I would have hooked everybody up if I needed to. But there was unfortunately just one. It was Minty Mint. Uh, Very happy. I grabbed that. I I don't have to sweat that. Now all I have to sweat is the Amazon exclusives that I ordered seven months ago that everybody else has gotten, but mine still don't have dates for. But that's a different story. But I got the ultimate Batista. I'm happy. Yay! And it was uh, packaging was nice. Everything to your liking. Oh yeah, per, it, like I, I have no complaints. Good, good. Yeah, and uh, I just on a whim, like as I was walking out, I scanned it on one of those thingies, the machines, and it it did say zero in stock. So uh, who knows how that happened to be there, you know? But uh, I'm glad I got it. Yeah, we talked a bunch about them last week about how it says that they're in stock at the stores, but. Um, oh, you know what? So, so uh, since we recorded last week, where it said that they were in stock, and now you checked and it said that they weren't in stock, but then they were out on the floor. Um, have you checked any of the other Target stock things to see if it says zero? All of our local targets have said out of stock since like maybe last weekend. Okay. Yeah, they were in stock Thursday when we recorded. Uh, Friday, maybe into Saturday, but by Sunday ish, they were all gone. Gotcha. Or at least maybe maybe last Friday I should have went to the Target. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, I'm taken care of, and I'll keep my eyes out for all the people who chimed in wanting wanting me to keep an uh-huh. eye for them. Um, all right, one more thing, and I'll throw it over to you. Okay. Uh, I will credit i I will credit the many people who tagged me in this, uh, but I think. Uh, uh, Todd was the first one to do so, and I believe also our, our friend Dave from Comics on the Green did so. But uh, Mike Sterling of uh, Sterling Comics out in California, friend of Longbox Heroes. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Uh, he tweeted out a picture of a Batman Punisher Lake of Fire retail cardboard cutout standee. And I immediately, uh, after I was tagged in that picture, uh, he didn't say he was selling it. He just posted a picture of it, but I, I tweeted claim (laughs) and, uh, he's like, Oh, I don't know if it's for sale, but I'll get back to you. And that was probably like maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah. It was a couple of weeks ago. I I remember. Yeah. So, uh, at that point I kind of got the inspiration to just add that to my eBay watch list and, uh, none ever popped up, but, uh, Two days ago, Mike Sterling DM'd me and said, hey, got the permission to sell this by the guy who owns it. So I was prepared to basically be like, here's a check, write in whatever you think is appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But he gave me a price that was well, 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 well below what I had originally expected to be charged for this thing. Um, So, uh, and Mike was a a great guy to deal with, super friendly. He buried you guys, so it was really fun. And uh, I paid for I paid eBay friends and family. I, you know, I did it the old major Mark way and uh, he already shipped it out like literally later that day. So uh, that is on its way. That, as everybody knows, is the proper Batman. That's Azrael versus Punisher. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, they call it a Batman book. But I'm looking forward to getting it. That's actually when that was tweeted out. That was the first time I had ever seen that standee. 
And like I said, my searches since then never uh, revealed another one. So I'm glad to get one. Again, further cementing yourself as the uh, Michael Jordan of Azrael uh, memorabilia collecting. Yeah, I, I had already uh, locked down uh, the figure collecting part. I think it's time for me to branch out. Uh, I've already decimated all the fools who tried coming out my crown. <laughs> so uh, this is a story that could uh, fit into After Dark territory, but obviously After Dark's recorded on Tuesday, released on Friday. Because uh, you're done. You have one more purchase after this, so I can go through my whole thing, right? Yeah, go nuts. All right, so... Uh, I work from home, super secret science job. I don't get out a ton, right? Uh, I I do my best not to let my car just sit, you know? So every Wednesday, I take the trip from Wilkes-Barre up to Scranton, getting to some local whatevers, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to go pick up my comic books. I could very easily just pay a couple bucks, have them sent to my house. Probably would save me on gas, you know? It's nice to leave the house, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, go to the comic book show, you're drive, driving to Scranton. I have my place that I sneak through, like this little bank, come up on the side of the uh, 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 courthouse there on Linden. It's usually after five o'clock, so they're not checking the meters. We're good. Go get my comics. It's empty. My kids give me a hard time because he wants to get home, play Pokemon or whatever the hell he wants to do, right? Uh-huh. Get back to the car. Nothing. Uh-oh. Lights coming on. Gauge is coming on. Everything's coming on. It ain't clicking. Son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I'll say this. Last couple months, I've been noticing a little bit of a hesitation when starting the car, but I think nothing of it, right? It's not due for an inspection until June. I don't drive the car much. It may, you know, I was just out earlier that day to go fill up the car with gas. No problem. Driving all the way up to Scranton. Problem. So I'm in Scranton. My dad lives in Scranton. He's maybe like about a mile and a half away from where I am. I said, hey, could you come by? Maybe give me a jump. You know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it just needs like a little bit of boost. I get it started. I get it home. We'll be good and go. He comes down. We we had gotten them years and years ago, like the super mega ultra heavy duty jumper cables, you know? Sure. Nothing. All right. Got to call a tow truck. Uh, so when I, I used to live up that way and my folks and my brothers all still lived up that way. And they had like a local guy. Didn't we talk before, but like when it comes to cars, having a guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I said, I am a, a, a chain store kind of guy. Yeah. You're, you're a local guy. So they had a guy. So he was my guy for the longest time, but then it was just going to be a hassle to take our cars all the way from Scranton or from Wilkes-Barre to Scranton just for anything that was wrong with it. We got a guy locally, but we still had a relationship with the local, you know, guy up in Scranton. Call him up. We don't have a tow truck anymore, but here's who we use. Call him. He's not doing anything today. Might have sounded half in the bag on a Wednesday at six. (laughs) Uh, He recommends somebody else. Uh, He comes out and he goes, nah, let's look at it, you know? So he gets under the hood. He's looking at it. He goes, yeah, it's definitely not the battery. Probably the starter. Okay. So we'll tow you to the garage. They're closed by the time we get there. They'll look at it Thursday. That's today. So tow cost me 98 bucks. So that's a big boy purchase, right? Yeah. Um, Which is actually cheaper than the last car that we had. We contacted a place down our way to tow it to the junkyard. And they wanted to charge us $400. <laughs> so $98 was nice. 
we get it to the garage. I call them about 8.30 this morning. They're going to look at it. They get back in touch with me. It's the starter. They're like, we can get this done today. Uh, parts, labor. Now you're looking $467. Oof. So there's my big boy purchase this week. <laughs> a starter for my car. <laughs> I, I said before, anything over $300, I throw the car out and I start all over again. <laughs> no, the car's paid off. The car, you know, up until this point was running fine. Um, you know, I've had it for, you know, 10 years, less than it was a 2011. I got it when my kid was three. It's paid off. Um, you know, uh, you know, 500, 460 bucks, another 98 to tow it. Uh, it's got a year warranty. So it just bought itself another year lease before we have to really worry about anything, you know? Yeah. I hope, I mean, you should have at least bought yourself a fig or something to cheer yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> I, so what I did was, uh, I'll say this, uh, on our way home, it was a lot of like car swapping and everything else like that. Mm. I, we have to go, when we go out on Wednesdays, my kid likes to go to Sheets and get like the pretzel hot dogs and mac and cheese, like kid food, right? Yeah, yeah. So I decided to get myself the home style uh, fried chicken sandwich on a waffle bun. And that was my treat to me. <laughs> I got that, made a, might have given my drink a little bit heavier of a pour that night. <laughs> As I sat down with that greasy waffle chicken sandwich, watched <laughs> AW Dynamite and getting tanked. Um, that was my figure this week. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, you deserve that. <laughs> Sorry to hear about the car, but I'm glad to see that your night ended on a high. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. All right. I have more than one thing to end on, but uh, I and I actually almost forgot to put this in here, but. We mentioned earlier in the show the Scotty Pippen of Azrael figure collecting, uh, Shane Hagedorn. He actually messaged me earlier in the week with a picture of the Azrael Funko Pop, uh, which I had mentioned on the show months ago when I had gotten it. Um, it was a Walgreens exclusive, and I have it already. But he sent me a picture of the same Funko with a special edition sticker on it. And Joe, I'm sure you don't know what the special edition stickers are, do you? I do not. So in the United States, if there is an exclusive Funko, whether it be to GameStop or Walmart or Target, it'll have a sticker on the front that says Walmart or Target or GameStop. Um, but in Europe, uh, all of those same Funkos, while they might still be sold by an exclusive retailer over there, like whatever the, the British version of Walmart is or the British version of Target, instead of having a Walmart sticker or whatever, it'll just have a, a silver metallic sticker that says special edition on it. So there aren't these European variants. Uh, okay. Those have one version. They'll just say special edition. And so for the most part, I... I'll see those, they'll pop up on eBay, but in my mind, they're kind of like, I don't want to say a bootleg, but they're like a second printing, if you will. Like the, uh, the United States version of the Funko Pop is the one that says Walmart, says Target, says Walgreens, whatever. Um, long story short, Shane sent me the picture of the Azrael special edition one, and underneath it had a price tag of $5. 
And for whatever reason, like I messaged them back. I was like, oh, that's a great price for that. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I think I was working. I was importing and exporting. And I just, I completely forgot about it. Later on that day, on one of the, the Funko Twitter things that I follow, it said that five below stores are starting to get Funko Pops, but they're the international special editions. So, uh. two, so two and two kind of linked. I was like, oh, that's what he was showing me is that five below had Azrael ones. So the next day I went to the Dixon city five below and I've never been in a five below store before. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I didn't know what I was going to expect, but uh, it's exactly what you expect from a store that everything is $5 or below. Uh, so I went looking for like the Funko section and they had like a Tony, the tiger Funko and that was it. And I was like, well, this was a wasted trip, but uh couple days later, I was in your neck of the woods and I went to your five below. Okay. Again, I didn't even know where that was. I had to check on Google Maps. Uh, and I went in there and as far as the eye can see, were $5 Funko Pops, Joe. And I picked up the special edition of uh, the Azrael Funko Pop and of the Soundwave, the GameStop exclusive Soundwave Funko Pop. And, uh, you know, just as me being, I don't know if you know about this, I collect a lot of Soundwave stuff. So it was just cool to get that as well. So that's, uh, he won't hear this, but shout out to Shane Hagedorn for pointing this out to me. And uh, you're, and for someone who's going through a Funko purge, you're up two for the week. Uh, well, I'm up two on that. I, again, there's other ones that I might have bought. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a tentative deal in place with uh, Comics on the Green to drop off 30 or so this week. So Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't seem to be making a ton of progress, but maybe for every 40 I buy, you know, 20 to 30 gets sold. <laughs> I buy another 50 and then 20 or 30 gets sold and so on. So it's a circle of life. Uh-huh. Uh, right before we went on the air, uh, that rap bastard Kinnick put in the major group that there were extra headbanger micro brawlers up for sale on the website. So of I'm course up- there was <laughs> somehow this very limited micro brawler. They found more Joe <laughs> and it said chance at the chases. Uh, I had said that my hard out for collecting uh, major pod micro brawlers was I was not going to get the headbangers, but then I said, ah, what the hell? I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I, I bought the pair, uh, but that's just that. And Joe, I, as you may have known at the beginning of the show, I might've made some suggestions about who they should book uh, on the world, not worlds collide, uh, the forbidden door uh, pay-per-view. So you might think that I've softened my stance towards a certain someone. Uh, let's just say that as far as I'm concerned, as of right now, uh, the coup, let's call it a draw. It's a draw. No, Nobody won. Nobody lost. <laughs> Everything's okay. Uh, so let's but let bygones be bygones until somebody throws a hissy fit at something I post in the group. So for now, we're cool. So I bought. In last week's flea market, as soon as we got off the air recording, I bought the major bendy mail away, quote unquote, broski figure, which has the the tan variant. (laughs) And I put it next to the other one, Joe. And I don't know, maybe I'm colorblind. Maybe I have poor lighting in my house. Uh, They seem to be the same figure only (laughs) without the packaging. So maybe I got got, but uh, I didn't pay a lot for it. And uh, 
Uh, I just added that to the collection. So <laughs> I just figured I'd end with that because that's so Vansky. That's something I would do is buy a stupid bagged Bendy. Uh, I was going to say, if they're selling the Brian one, I might have bought the Brian one. But <laughs> I, I, I think they only made one version. I don't think he had a problem with his tan. Mm. That's the thing. Broski's figure wasn't tan enough, so they had to increase the tanness to get him that more of a hot dog look <laughs> on the final figure. Broski's got a lot of problems, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, maybe, but I, I'm not at war anymore, so I, I can't contribute to that conversation. Short show this week, Joe. <laughs> Always a short show. All right, that's it. No more rambling, no more nothing. We're wrapping things up. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. This was episode 186 at Odds with Wrestling for Adam Joe saying, be safe out there and enjoy the You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.